day, everybody, and welcome to Encore at the House of Mario. I'm your host, Drew Agnew, and this Encore, I'm joined by a very special guest. His name is Joshua, and he runs the other South Australian Nintendo podcast, Nintendovania. Josh, it's good to have you here, my friend. Thanks for having me. Good day. Hello, everyone. Great to be on the uh, Encore. Yeah, and this is a very special one as well because this is the first book club I've ever participated in my whole life. And uh, me, all the way back in primary school, would be proud of adult Drew. Hey, look, he's he's read a book. Or, well, in this case, listened to a book. <laughs> I haven't read a book since school. So, this was, I mean, we still haven't done it with this. But uh, interesting concept and yeah, I love the collab. Get the chance to sort of talk about this awesome book or audio book that we've just uh, listened to. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. if it wasn't obvious, the book in question is... Disrupting the game from the Bronx to the top of Nintendo, written by Reggie Fils-Aimé, pre- oh, I guess former president and COO of Nintendo of America. And it was very exciting to listen to this because I guess we're big fans of Reggie over the years. Back in uh, 2004, when he, I guess, graced the stage at E3, that was when I was very much a wee boy with my Game Boy Advance and very much looking forward to the Nintendo DS. So I guess really he's been through our Nintendo fandom and... All of that being the big sort of uh, presence at directs and E3s and all the marketing that we gobbled up and made us into obsessive fanboys today. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I guess he succeeded. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just remember growing up. You know, I'd get like the monthly N Power magazines, K Zones, and then mm. uh, the official when Australia did their own Nintendo magazine. Um, mm. And it was always talk about Reggie, and the whole obsession with Reggie was real, and people. Loved what he brought, the realness. Um, he uh, got to it straight away and just, just this powerful, charismatic, charismatic kind of guy. And I think uh, all Nintendo fans were kind of spellbound by him and what he does. And um, as he calls himself in the book, he's what he does and some of the things he um, talks about are a bit of a meme now, as he says. And uh, um, it was just Nintendo for me growing up. So just great to sort of learn a bit more about him through this. Yeah, I guess he's one of those personalities that Nintendo had as well that, you know, could speak fluent English. We had a a lot of people over in Japan, whether it was Iwata or Miyamoto and the multiple directors and producers and even everybody down in the pits that you don't necessarily see in the the marketing content, whether it's directs and whatnot. But I guess Reggie was the one where it's like, all right, you know, you are the, the head man of Nintendo of America. So it's a lot sort of easier to get interviews and press um, you know, stuff from IGN or the, the big guys over there, which you didn't really get from the Japanese players. So I think that played into it a lot as well because uh, Reggie does sort of talk about it um, in his book. Well, was it his? No, well, it was an interview we did with uh, kind of funny actually uh, to promote the book. But what, uh, <laughs> what he goes into is he doesn't understand why people have such an obsession with him when he's not the one who's creating the games. And I do get that. He's just the businessman who's trying to trying to sell a product at the end of the at the end of the day. So he knows it. He he is the man behind the brand, but himself he is a brand. He mm. like he, like a sweet talking marketer. He knows how to promote a product. He could sell the uh, prototype DS to us. He really tried to sell the Batman Arkham Edition Wii U version to us, and <laughs> that maybe hilarious. that was a bridge too far for him. But he tried. <laughs> um, yeah, but he I, yeah. is an amazing marketer himself, and. Uh, yeah, like you said, he was the voice of the West for Nintendo when um, it seemed like he really tried to open some doors with uh, Nintendo in Japan there and their um, 
Kyoto office, a very secretive, very sort of um, head down, bum up kind of uh, work culture. And uh, here comes the American, brash American, and uh, does a few things to shake things up. They get a bit more aggressive. They uh, push themselves out there a bit more. So um, I think Nintendo sort of benefited a lot, really, from his uh, uh, the way he's sort of uh, worked and contributed to the company over the last 15 years. Yeah, no, absolutely. And just there's multiple examples of that that we will go over in the book. But I guess for anyone that hasn't read the book, definitely go and check it out. Get the audio book or go and buy the paperback or the Kindle or whatever version. I think as a someone who's into games more than just playing them, and that is probably you who is listening to this podcast, this, this is a must read, a must listen. Definitely go and check it out. There's a lot of tidbits you'll find fascinating whether you're just interested in the Nintendo section or you would like to hear more life lessons from Reggie, from all of his experience from going from company to company and his education and you know growing up in the, the Bronx and all of that. This is a, a must listen, a must read. Go and check it out. But uh, Josh, we're going to break it down. But we did touch on this a little bit, but what made you interested in reading the book in the first place? Obviously, we're big Nintendo fans, but were you interested in the more Reggie-centric backstory or were you there just for the nintendo gossip or what sort of intrigued you when this book got announced that reggie was writing this two words drew mother three <laughs> we uh, need some answers we need to find out what happened and why we got a little bit of that we did but uh we'll talk about that later i mean taking the, the step back you know uh, reggie's just like we said that character for that charisma he's just um was the face of nintendo and I don't really know where he, what he did beforehand. And so I knew this was a bit of a business sort of uh, career motivational kind of book. And so I was just keen to sort of understand a bit more what he did. Um, I can only stalk someone's profile on LinkedIn so much to work out their work history without, you know, knowing much. And so this was the chance to uh, sort of hear from the man himself. So, uh, you know, I, I have a career in banking. I work at a bank and by day and... Um, it's been great to sort of listen to this and apply some, you know, knowledge and some sort of mental workplace practices, some tips from him, just uh, how you can go about uh, working effectively in a team, um, uh, responding well to feedback, pushing really sort of disruptive, different ideas through and challenging the status quo. So I want to get a bit out of it and then anything Nintendo, you know, <laughs> they're so secretive. And so the chance to, for Reggie, you know, now that he's retired, he can sort of talk about a few things to sort of get those tidbits of information was, uh, yeah, definitely what I was going for. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I'm right there with you. Just mm. all the backstory, all of the Nintendo history that we, I guess, don't get from a very secretive company, decisions behind uh, a lot of the, I guess, the key decisions that Nintendo of America pushed forward. And, uh, yeah, no, really looking forward to uh, getting into this. So, Let's jump to, I guess, the, the first chapter, which was really, um, this was one of the most heartfelt sort of chapters in the whole book, and it's a great way to open it. It's titled Farewell to My Friend, and it's an opening story about, I guess, the, the death of Satoru Iwata and what he his relationship with Reggie meant to him. And my God, it was, uh, I wasn't expecting this at the very start. I know... He put this at the start because he knows who's going to be reading this book and he wants to hit you right in the face with like, uh, you know, a Nintendo story and one that a lot of us have near and dear to our hearts before going into, I guess, just the education and the uh, the backstory to Reggie. But 
going in, were you expecting just Satoru Wada story at the very start or were you expecting it a little bit later? Um, I suppose a bit later, but it just makes sense. It's sort of, yeah, that's the really sort of emotional, I think he would have sort of a lot of change going on at Nintendo at the time, I imagine, just, just with the Wii U and the, the 3DS maybe not doing so well, but then Wada facing his sort of health issues at the same time. So this would have been a considerable, like, uh, really massive sort of um, implications that would be brought on by Water eventually passing away when he did and, and the lead up to it because uh, Reg- Reggie, just listening to this, Reggie was, you know, getting to know Water over these years and actually developed a really great friendship with the man and um, all these small little stories of how um, he visits uh, Water in hospital and Water's family's there and then Water's daughter's um, a big fan of Reggie and so they sort of <laughs> connect on that level and they're taking photos together and so um just just hearing those little things and yeah i think that probably would have been reggie's definite opening chapter i reckon when he was writing this down like he knew that would be something to start with and um set the tone pretty well knowing yeah just want to understand how they get to that point with their friendship and and uh learnings over the years yeah and it's really interesting as well because as the book goes on we do learn more about the decisions and I guess the key moments where they had disagreements, but they eventually, uh, I guess, came to a conclusion on it. And it's just the the stories that come from that. You can really see why the relationship ended up how it did. And uh, I think uh, it's just something, you know, it's, it's quite nice to at least know, <laughs> know they were friends because, you know, in the, in the Wii U days, especially we're, we're looking at these key characters, Nintendo's wheeling out in front of us to, I guess, distract us from, <laughs> The fact that their console wasn't the best. It wasn't. It wasn't uh, the the most uh, thought through device. Let's just say. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's um. What's it going with that? It wasn't the most thought through device. But what what um ultimately happened is we we sort of come accustomed to these uh these people, and it was good to know they weren't just I guess businessmen just teaming up trying to get money out of us. Which, you know, of course they were, but, <laughs> mm. but, uh, the, the story about them, um, like, um, himself and some other guys from Nintendo of America traveling to Japan to go to Kyoto to, a, a, like, a, attend the funeral, that was a pretty interesting story as well. Just, um, another sort of part of his leadership where he had to make key decisions to make sure they get there on time and, uh, that was just, I guess, the tip of the iceberg as far as the decisions he's had to make in his life. And I think for me, what it really goes to show is that, and, and this book in general, you really do need to think outside the box and push push your barriers. Because I think for a lot of us, we do get stuck just doing the same old thing each day. And as, as I was walking around town, just listening to this book, I think it was... Uh, just really eye-opening from from that respect, and uh, eventually we do find out that a lot of uh, Reggie, his decision for retirement was based around Awada's death. Been like, hey, look, we actually do only have this much time, and I still want to do these many things, and I have achieved what I want to achieve with the Switch and even the Wii. Uh, Wii. Um, so yeah, I think that was really eye-opening and just a real powerful sort of first chapter. Yeah, he, he wanted to end on the high. He knew that um, with all the change with what is passing with the Wii U and the, I mean, doing really badly, even 3DS did 
at the start and I know mm. it recovered, but um, when, when you're at a company for that long, you want to leave it in a better position than when you started. And so I think Reggie knew that three years into, I was only two years actually into the Switch's life. He knew that they were on a winner and uh, decided to pull up the boots and um, yeah, I think you can sort of, uh, your legacy sort of, um, you know, defined by the actions and what you've done previously. And so he'll be known as, you know, delivering the, the switch to the market, helping Nintendo release it and um, being a real winner. And it's, you know, we're still seeing it sell amazingly well. So, and then I just love the fact that, you know, um, before Awada passed away, he really wanted Reggie to go down to Kyoto to actually see the prototype. And so, you know, this is not just Reggie's work, not just Nintendo's work, but Awada's sort of, you know, before he does pass away, he's instrumental in bringing um, the Wii U's replacement to the market. I um, we're talking about the trust and how they build that friendship. Um, the book talks about you know he takes over in two thousand and four, uh, and of uh, Nintendo. Oh no, he doesn't become president at the time. He's a chief marketing executive, I believe. Yeah. Um, and uh, wants to hit the ground running. Wants to be aggressive. He mentions aggressive a few times in this chapter, and um, sees previous E threes that nintendo have done and I've, I've i've watched like the gamecube one and it's just horrible it's just, uh, yeah they're shocking on the podium <laughs> just look at notes and they're talking about stats and no one cares and then the game presentations are cool when they come but they're few and far between um and so reggie comes along um showcasing the ds uh, the next sort of generation of handheld um hardware for the company and you know just they they were deliberately aggressive um, out there, they're, they're taking on the competition, and this is great because it's uh, full-on console wars at the time, and they're comparing stats and all that. But I suppose that early—he was six months in, and it was that early kind of um, direction that he took, uh, being aggressive. Um, he helped turn around um, the GameCube a little, I believe, but then the DS had a great, great launch, and I think um, the proof was in the pudding with Reggie doing that hard yakker at the start, and then he gets the president role for Nintendo of America and sort of uh, gets elevated very quickly and so um, with that hard work came that trust and sort of you know he keeps pushing through that door with uh, Nintendo in Japan there and trying to you know get them to be a bit more open trying to um, address different ways of thinking about things doing things and uh, um, I think that mutual respect definitely uh, evolves and that's how that friendship between them, the personable one comes and eventually, yeah, it does happen into what it does. Mm. Yeah, like <laughs> just uh, like going through it, you can just see their their heads clash every now and again. And mm. I'm, I'm sure the way Reggie puts it in the book is a lot more probably monotone than how it actually happened having uh, two of these men like make these serious decisions that ultimately will affect the bottom line of their company. But um, before we jump into, I guess, more of the Nintendo side of story, let's discuss some of the, the book that covers, you know, Reggie's backstory, his education, and some of his uh, previous jobs because I found uh, just the companies that he worked at was actually really quite interesting going through them all and different sort of skills yeah. he learned from each one. And then you can see them applied to what he does at Nintendo um, ultimately at the end of the day. So, um I guess, you know, he, he grew up in, in the Bronx, obviously, with the title of the book. And this uh, really sort of affected, I guess, how he outlooked on life and just 
uh, with his uh, his parents, like ultimately making the decision to move move him uh, him and his brother out of there to I guess pursue better education and all of that. I think that was a massive thing for I guess his parents to do, and it's interesting too because like otherwise, if they didn't make a decision like that we might not have ever seen Reggie be anywhere near the position of, you know, president of Nintendo of America. So I think just from the very start, you can see the decisions that, you know, his parents made just set him on the path to, you know, go to business school and pursue all of these different companies. So I think that of just the, the, off the very top is just really quite just a, just really important to, to his story. But um, yeah, he got got dealt a tough hand, and um, mm. he was talking about his grandfather fleeing Haiti um, to come to America. Yeah, and got told if he spoke against the country, he wasn't. Oh, sorry, if he left the country because he wanted to leave to speak out against him at the UN, that he wouldn't be allowed to um, return. And so, um, yeah, just the gamble that his grandfather did, and to do that, and obviously, um, I don't want to talk too much, but you know, he makes a new family, and he, you know. And that's how Reggie mm. comes to be growing up in the US. But, <laughs> you know, it's a tough hand you get growing living in the Bronx. Um, uh, the one bedroom apartment or something. Um, I think mm. they're talking about growing up in. Um, you know, he's calls himself a black man. And so it's other already straight away that say that there's more against you for that. And so um, just. He's just, he's just so determined. You just listen to it and he's just switched on, determined, knew what he wanted and, and he's a fighter. And so um, it didn't seem to matter how far back he was, what the um, obstacles were. Um, he was just, he knew what he wanted to do. He wanted to get the education. He wanted to um, achieve really highly at the top. So, um, yeah, just sort of an inspiring kind of uh, setup for the book there. Mm, yeah, like the story, the, to the, man. St- the story about his grandfather was insane, especially how he never saw mm. his wife again. So Jesus, yeah. <laughs> like that is um, really insane, brave stuff. And you know, I think the word brave probably gets thrown a- around a, a little bit too too much these days. But that is truly <laughs> something important and brave to to stand up for, and um, you know, bring bring that type of thing to to your family. So that 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 was amazing, and. Um, I guess uh, going forward to his education, he eventually ended up at uh, Cornell uh, through a scholarship, and this was like I, I, we knew. I guess uh, he um, went to Cornell because he's doing all the a lot of the speeches and the education there when he did retire from Nintendo. But I think uh, this is it's just cool, cool to know. Like I don't know from some, someone like me, I've never been to university or anything, um, so I don't have any. I guess experiences to pull from, but yourself, you've been to university. Do you have any? Um, I guess, uh, do you relate to to this at all? Yeah, I mean, very much different in the US. When you go to mm. college, it's very much you, you move your life there and you live on campus a lot of the time. And um, whereas here in Australia, you can sort of live at home and um, get the bus or train to the the CBD where the uni is and, and study. Mm. But um, uh, uni or college um it's I, I loved it it was some of the best years of my life um just the freedom knowing that everyone who was there wanted to be there they wanted to learn and you know you come from school and uh, that's definitely not the case people have to be there not everyone wants to learn some are disruptive um 
<laughs> disruptive in the game, just uh, throwing stuff at your teachers. <laughs> the bad disruptive. <laughs> yeah. Reggie uh, doesn't approve of that one. No. But um, yeah, and so like I've met some of my best mates from from uni, and uh, you sort of develop all these different friendships and connections, and being with like-minded people, it's the side of a network or um, however you want to call it, um, your new friendship group. Um, and so, uh, and very prestigious to go to Cornell. Um, very smart guy, got good, very good grades. Um, I think it was a scholarship through the ROTC Air Force, I believe. Uh, then, yeah, I think uh, it was, yeah. Yeah, so he gets the scholarship, um, goes through the years, and then I think he decides not to do any service. And so uh, um, I think he had to work out a student loan or something after that. But um, majoring in business management and finance, I did um commerce degree, Bachelor of Commerce. And then um, since then I've done a master's in finance. So, um, yeah, similar sort of study, study path there. So I thought that was really cool. But if I really applied myself, I could one day lead up the distribution center at Melbourne's Nintendo. <laughs> if I really tried, I go for it. <laughs> yeah. I, I too could be the Australian Reggie, you know. The Australian Reggie. Now that would be something special to say. I'd like to say, like, g'day, how you go, buddy, going. Uh, today's a Nintendo Direct. Uh, we're bringing in <laughs> one of the. Bloody, bloody Mario game. Bloody, she's a rip ripper. Oh, this one, go. fuck, she's great. Uh, <laughs> No, uh, no, no, I couldn't never aspire to, you know, the, the man's amazing. But um, yeah, so it just, he did very well there. Um, he was very sporty as well by the sounds of it. Um, loved his basketball and then athletics as well. So, he, you know, if he really applied himself, he could have done some other more sporty things. But I think um, I think deep down he realized the, uh, the academic business management side was where he wanted to, um, to end up. Loves the numbers, as we as we as we, as we found out. But um, I guess uh, throughout there, he goes to Procter and Gamble, which uh, I thought this this was a, I guess a, a big sort of step in the direction he will go in. So he goes to Procter and Gamble, and uh, and he ends up at, at a bunch of places, which was pretty interesting. We all know, sort of from you know watching YouTube or just reading into it a little bit, uh, that he worked at Pizza Hut and was responsible for the Bigfoot Pizza and the New Yorker. And this was, uh, I guess, a a big business lesson for him, sort of um, whether it's like bringing up the pros and the cons of what what bringing, I guess, a different product into your company can can make. Basically, they were trying to compete with other pizza chains, bringing in a a cheap pizza that a a lot of people can get in and get a lot more food for a a lot less money. But... um, it turned out that a lot of people were actually downrating the other pizzas because of um, this pizza's quality not being quite as good with like the worst cheese, worst sauce, worst crust, all of that. So it actually had a negative impact on their overall business rather than just bringing new customers in. And it's uh, one of those mm. things I guess you don't really think about. It. You think like, oh, bringing in the cheaper pizza would be better. Then if they want to spend a bit more, they, they can. It's all good. But in, yeah. in, in this case, it didn't turn out like that. No, and then it just talked about how the Pizza Huts were, you know, more dining experiences. They were built that way, and so um, that the rise of the pizza deliveries um, meant that they sort of had to adapt a bit. You know, less people were going in for food. They had to, they wanted to get it delivered to them, and so you know, you look around now, and I can't see many Pizza Huts around, and people, you know, will order pizza online. 
call up the pizza delivery place and, and get it delivered. And so I suppose he was working around about the time when it was starting to sort of the inflection point was there, starting to go the other way. And so these other competitors trying to do the cheap and nasty was, uh, you know, um, something that Pizza Hut tried to do and uh, imitate and didn't work out. But it was pretty big here. He said, um, I believe it was for this one, he, he tried to get them to uh, do the whole cheaper pizza and get into the market and flood it and then um, had to say, sorry, that was the wrong call now. We need to pull it. And so went to the board or whoever and sort of said, yeah, it was my idea, but now we need to pull it for these reasons and we believe that's the best course of action and and uh, good on him for, you know, not putting his foot down like I'm sure a lot of people would have, mm. a lot of executives would have and uh, um, would have reaped the consequences later if I probably... Uh, being put out the door so yeah because i can imagine if i was in a position like that where, oh this was a great idea let's do that if it's like oh this is this is not so good and from doing it we've learned that it's not so good but i'll be like oh, mm. like, oh shit I'll, I'll be pretty you know pretty worried about bringing that up to you know for such an important oh, yeah. aspect of your of your business but i think just being honest with yourself and maybe admitting to mistakes or I don't know. It's it's not even necessarily a mistake. It's just you need to do it to actually find it out in the first place. You can't sit there and just figure that out by looking at spreadsheets or whatever. It is something you do need to just see how the the market reacts to it. So, like nothing That's on it. nothing on Reggie, but I think it's just a big thing for him to admit that. But in the book as well, um, I guess each sort of story is I guess I guess concluded by a but so what section where Reggie sums up. I get what he's learned. So what or but so what? It, it, I thought it was but so what, but then I thought it might have been the so what. I think he just goes, but so what? <laughs> In the audio book, he says, but yeah. so what? Like he, he, he reads out his story and then uh, goes, the I guess the but so what or whatever, whatever we remember it as. Sort of a quote or phrase yeah. to sort of uh, get you to think about it. Mm. Yeah, it just sums it up like this is what, what I learned from it and this is what lesson... Um, you know, you might benefit from your life and there's plenty of those going through and um, it's, yeah, interesting to, to hear them all. Mm. Be open to alternative pathways and outcomes. If I read them out like this now, it sounds like Chinese, like, um, fortune cookies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, they were good at the time. They, they were very sort of insightful, but if I'm reading random ones, um, what's another one? Own up when you make a mistake. And then... Think about long-term initiatives. It is a difficult skill to learn. Yeah, so, you know, little applications. If we just had those separately told to us at school, we would be like, (laughs) (laughs) we're just looking at Bryce in the chat here. I think Bryce has uh, read the book as well. (laughs) Big dick penis. That's what he wrote. Good on you, Bryce. (laughs) Love you, man. but yeah, if we just had those stories separately at school, we're like, oh, boring. But it's from Mr. Video Game himself. Makes mm. it a lot more interesting. <laughs> uh, I did it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's it. You know, like, you, you're reading it like, yeah, that's cool. Okay, uh, Panda Express. So you wait there a bit. That's cool. Yep, yep. Oh, Bicycle Company. Very nice. Where's the Nintendo stuff? Where's where's mm. the, you know. I see the... Um, GBA launch. When the when he was talking about that he like he worked at PepsiCo, I didn't realize PepsiCo owned uh, KFC. Uh, was it um, uh, Pizza Hut? And there was another one too, which I'm oh really? I don't know if they still do, but 
that 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 shows why they serve Pepsi and not Coke. Come on, there you go. I thought they just had a deal, but they're actually owned. I don't know if they still are. Yeah, if that was the case, or yeah. Um, but he did mention yeah, that. Well, that makes sense if I, that's the case. Yeah, yeah. I remember um, that being like, oh, really? Jesus. Yeah, I think that went over my head at the time. Yeah, oh, well. I, I was listening to these things at random times, you know, run going for runs or a gym session, or if I was doing something really boring at work and data entry wise, I could listen to some chapters on this. So, um, I had to work in between some things. Um, he, he kind of had a lot of different things over that fifteen-year period. He's kind of like two, three years at a place, and he'd move on to the next thing, and um, you know, he's um, he, he had to leave. Procter and Gamble because he did an unauthorized um, spend on a project or something, mm. and so I didn't write the one-page memo that he talks about how important they are to get right and um, succinct, and it's an important skill to have um, if you're working in any sort of business management role. And uh, um, although the campaign was good, I think he didn't go about it the right way, and so um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, stuffed it up. A yeah, bit. E even though it turned out well for the the company it's like no nah, still not happy with it how the process went yeah 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 is there is there any sort of companies that uh sort of spoke out to you when you're listening through the book like oh that's uh that's really intriguing or you weren't weren't aware i think for for me um just like the pant like was a is that panda, panda express? express yeah yeah that was going to be mine i think that that was really interesting i didn't know that and how they really tried to like evolve that company into mm. like something bigger, especially back then when it was like a brand new idea and how they're trying to bring on, uh, I guess, uh, roadside restaurants instead of just in shopping centers and mm. how the difference, how they had to differentiate themselves from, uh, I guess, those stores, which are a lot different, have a lot different purpose uh, if you're actually going in to eat somewhere. And uh, I don't know. I, it sounds good to me because around here we've only got mum and pop Chinese shops. So just like a <laughs> drive-through Chinese sounds uh, good yeah. to me. Actually, we we do yeah. have a Chinese, we do have a drive-through Chinese here, which is pretty good. Okay, but. yeah, it, it's it was interesting because he's talking about how a lot of the Chinese restaurants are sort of the mum and dads, the locally owned ones, and mm. I think I think that's largely the case here too in Adelaide. I mean, all yeah. the ones we go to are, are local owned ones, but yeah, Panda Express was you know owned by. Um, two people, so it was private, and they wanted to take it to an IPO, which is an initial public offering, and so you get offered shares, people could buy into the company, and sort of um, they had to wanted to hit a few sort of checkpoints first to get to that point, and, and Reggie's been brought on to this marketing team to try and lead that change and get it out there, and so um, oh, you just learn a lot listening to the book about uh, what, what happens in the, the fast food sort of uh, business and uh, for the Chinese these Chinese restaurants to come out. Um, talking about uh, the orange chicken, how costly it was to make, and um, asparagus got costly, so they switched to broccoli and uh, and and uh, chicken or something. There was some other swap in there, but you know, even going over the, the street store concepts, um, they had lots of mall locations, but um, and they knew there could only be so many of them, and so they wanted to get like a layout for a street store. So. Um, you know they're going to be a bit bigger at yeah, the drive-through, like you said. So, um, for 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 a marketer, he's sort of getting into the real sort of strategic kind of um, application of it as well. And so, he's you know not not just being a marketer, but yeah, that sort of operating um, strategic lead as well. So he's um, 
doing a lot of stuff. So and then getting into the detail as well by the sounds of it. So mm. it was it was just interesting how um yeah they did pretty well and they I think they succeeded but it didn't didn't work out. They uh, didn't want to um go ahead with the IPO and so kind of knew his time was up after that. Yeah. A lot of work for, for nothing and uh, he might have got some. I'm sure there would have been some nice sort of equity packages if he if they did go ahead with it and sort of a good share of the company, but but not to be. It would be really interesting to see, like, just there's so many points in time where that could have been, they could have went ahead with it and that would have been a completely different outcome for Nintendo. Like, with Reggie not being there, not having yeah. someone like him to push and shake up, uh, I guess, the formula. And, uh, yeah, just so many times. And I think just looking back at all of these uh, places Reggie was at, like, for me, I haven't had that many jobs I haven't like been jumping around here and there. And I think in some ways, especially like living in a country town, you get, like I said earlier, you get sort of locked in your ways. You get used to doing things how you do them. But listening to this, just how many times Reggie had to just readapt to different jobs and keep pushing himself, new skills, new people, even to the point where like when he moved, uh, when he worked at Nintendo, that was a move to Seattle, which was a, a big change. And I don't know. I feel like I've just got to, I guess reading anyone's successful uh, backstory, it's just like shit. I need to do some. I need to do more. <laughs> I need to do way more than I didn't. Like it's not, it's not all positive. Reggie does mention that there's a three year period in his life where he went through some tough times, jumping from job to job, not really getting anywhere in his career. Went through a divorce. All of this, uh, I guess, personal stuff that comes with that. So, you know, it's not like um, it's all been just roses for Reggie, but yeah, I, I, f- I feel that's something I got out of it. Just need to keep mm. keep pushing myself, keep doing different things, even even like real simple stuff like you know, try a different sport every year, you know, just something. Just It doesn't have to be like get a different job every three years or anything like that. But Drew, um, Drew you've just played six sports and Nintendo Switch sports. Slow down. <laughs> that's you're, right. You're okay. way ahead for this year. That, that's right. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really Gold branching out. soon as well. Mate. <laughs> yeah, I'm playing no, football, mean, tennis, badminton. Yeah, I'm really exploring myself. <laughs> new things, Drew. No, I, I get what you mean. He um he makes you feel bad because he's done all this stuff and you, you look at yourself and you're reflecting and you're like, I, I, I could do more. And, you know, I, I, I mean, I think for me, I... I, I did my study. I was keen to get a grad job. I worked. I, I got a grad position at a bank. I got offered a couple of other ones, and I took the one that I wanted. And um, you sort of you go into it thinking, I want to work my way up. I want to do this. I want to do that. And um, I don't know. I just I, I think so differently now. I think COVID's just changed the way I sort of approach things in life now. And I don't think I'm as uh, aspirational to climb that ladder um, as I used to be. And um, I, I definitely enjoy. Um, you know, taking time to enjoy more simple things, time with friends, with, with my partner and family, and um, work works second really to all that. So, um, you can tell that you know you can do this, you can aspire to to, to be the best, to to be the top of your craft. But yeah, you did come at a cost for him. Um, a lot of lot of moving. He he moved a lot, and then um, yeah, like you said, the divorce, which would have been tough he had two kids at the time and uh, um can't imagine that's a fun thing to go through and um we don't know what the reason was but you know i, I can't imagine he had a lot of free time and was spending mm. them with the family and so especially with the moving that would have been tough as well so 
Um, yeah, it, it all comes at a cost, and you know, it's he's it, he's done some great things, but also um, for anyone, it's uh, you know, you can take some stuff out of this book and how to approach things, and and yeah, you know what, you can you know make some changes. You can move down to Mount Gambier. You can you know down the road. You can do other things. You know, just to change things up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think um, just with what you touched on before too, just with, you know, I, I assume Bruce didn't have a lot, whole lot of spare time and that's that's potentially what could have uh, led to the divorce. And I know like a, a friend of mine, he he, men he he mentioned to me a long time ago, it's just make sure, um, this is when I was engaged or something, so just make sure, you know, you don't take it for granted that you're always spending time, all of that stuff, and don't mm. focus on one thing too much, whether that's, you know, sport or podcasting or whatever make sure you do it and you do it to the best of your ability but don't let it take over your life because it could potentially lead to something like that so i don't know if that's what happened like with, that. with reggie but it's yeah. um it's definitely a life lesson i learned and i do try to keep in mind um i think that is that is important i don't know if reggie was trying to push that point or maybe they just didn't get along and they grew apart and that's just what it was who knows? I don't want to speculate too much yeah. on poor old Reggie. <laughs> he did put a book out there That's though. Right. So, you know, I guess it is what it is. <laughs> I think he did it right. And I think he's married again and had other kids with it, its new partner. And yeah. so um, uh, it, it's worked out fairly well for him, I think. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right. So we didn't touch on all the companies there, but I think they're the ones we wanted to touch on. Um, but. Well, we'll just, uh, I found out that, um, Mm. That nitrogen helps give the head of a pint of beer. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. It's really so, funny uh, when you bring up these I points. That down. It's really funny when you bring up these points because I remember exactly where I was on my walk when these certain things are brought up. When you brought that up, I was like crossing a bridge looking down at the water. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like listening to uh, Reggie's time at the the Guinness Company, and yeah. I was like, yeah, I was like, that's that's cool. Like he's talking about this brand new can where once you open it, it engages the nitrogen and it actually fills it up freshly. I'm like, oh, there you go. And yeah. then I'm I'm a bit further down the road when he's talking about his time, <laughs> but he's not having such a good time there. And his old friend who actually got promoted to, I think, uh, someone who runs it back over an island. Um, he wasn't mm. enjoying it as well. So they both go to a bicycle company and. They sell uh, Shimano bike. products. And I remember having a Shimano bike <laughs> and fishing rod. I remember having those. I'm like, oh, so yeah. it's really weird, actually. I wonder if people do it when they're listening to The House of Mario or Nintendovania. They're going for a walk and when you say profanity, they're like, oh, yeah, I remember when Drew said shit. I was doing a backflip over a tree. <laughs> Never sworn in my life, Drew. I just get beeped out if I did, you know. Yeah, you just auto auto automatically get beeped out by yourself. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, but um, I no, guess it was. Yeah, I had those moments as well listening mm. to it, and uh, yeah, on the bus um, a couple of times he's talking about um, uh, yeah, it was the biking stuff at the time, and um, and then and then that the the pub he was giving away the pub as part of the marketing promotion. Yeah, that's insane. I couldn't imagine yeah. that being a good prize. That sounds like a lot of work. Hmm. Uh, yeah, probably, yeah, some catches with that. Like one of those uh, $1 Italian homes that I see on my Facebook feed. It's only a dollar, but then you find out you've got to spend half a million to, to do it up or something. You have to do it. <laughs> they're just trying to get yeah, government incentives or something. Yeah, or whatever. I don't yeah. know what they're trying to trying to pull. Sounds like a con anyway. Um, but, yeah, let's talk about his, uh, his time at Nintendo now. So 
this is also interesting because he never applied for a job at Nintendo. Um, I guess a, a scouter seeked him out for the position for his, uh, I guess, first gig there, his marketing marketing job. Mm. And, yeah, just thinking about this, like, I guess we, we're all thinking to ourselves, wouldn't it be great to work at Nintendo, this work in the games industry, maybe you want a job at IGN, like, whatever it is, like, wouldn't it be cool? But a lot of these people that are successful in these particular fields, they just sort of ended up there through whether it's a, a passion of theirs or maybe they just stumbled into it or whatever whatever the case is, there's a, there's a particular journey and there's no just straight road there necessarily. And I thought this one was particularly interesting because Reggie ending up with the ultimate job at Nintendo of America with only one promotion <laughs> mm. and not and getting scouted in the first place. I thought that was pretty incredible. So you found the cheat codes and you just mm. used them straight away. It was it was uncanny. Just uh, straight straight to the top. Did uh, did really well. Yeah. But he even he even plants it in in the previous stuff. He's talked about um I think his time at, at Pizza Hut or something. He was playing video games and um, mm. picked up a SNES and uh, with uh, Super Mario World. But um, a link to the past was like a really big, awesome game for him and and how he uh, plays ninety five percent of it and uh, comes back to see his son having finished the final level, defeating <laughs> the boss, and so he misses out on the ending. Uh, that'd be so uh, devastating. On, mm. It would have been. But then he goes on later to tell nin- Nintendo executives the story and. I think it was Miyamoto or mm. it might have been a water. I think Miyamoto, Miyamoto just got, yeah. comes up come afterwards and asks him if it was real. And he's like, yeah, it was. And so, yeah, so he, he had that connection. But yeah, you're, you're right. It was interesting because Nintendo at the time, he's, he's getting told not to take the job. Um, and you just think mm. back, you know, 2004, GameCube's launched a few years before and it's not good. It's You see this, you know, you look at charts of the NES, the SNES, the 64, the GameCube is going down. Yeah. Um, Things probably aren't looking as good as they had been in the past. Sony's really taking charge here, and then Xbox has just come into the play. And so, um, yeah, you know, a lot going on there. And you could have, you know, a lot of people probably would have thought that Nintendo's days might have been numbered, or, you know, this, are they going to be the next Sega to get out of the hardware game? And so Reggie did take a bit of a gamble to uh, to, to take the role and to, to do what he did. So hats off to him. Mm. Yeah, it's just he had the foresight to see the potential of what games could be. And, you know, he talks about it all the time and he still talks about it now, even in his retirement. But I think just like with – you can just imagine businessmen just being like, oh, look, video games are a waste of time. Mm. You, know, you, you look at the numbers, you see the trajectory. I guess maybe even fair enough from uh, the Super Nintendo down to – the, the launch of the GameCube, you just look at it from pure numbers. You're like, mm. yeah, you're probably not going to compete with that PlayStation 2 all that well, yeah. uh, especially after yeah. the, the PlayStation 1, which was a 100 million seller. So, so it's a it's a big sort of risk going into the, the video games industry and trying to take on the electronic companies and Microsoft. But I think, yeah, it obviously turned out well. So... Oh, Reggie gets in there and he's, um, I guess he starts off marketing around the, the GameCube and the Game Boy Advance and goes on to the big E3 moment of 2004 when he announces the Nintendo DS prototype at the time mm. and uh, really, really shakes up, or shakes up how they do their press conferences. And we touched at the, at the start, just their press conferences used to be really bad 
awful. The marketing people used to come okay. and go, these are the numbers. And I don't know who finds that interesting. The consumers certainly don't. Um, the retailers were like... I find them somewhat interesting, but I feel I'm, I'm in a niche there with the uh, with my financial, I suppose, analyst yeah, True. Background. Look, but, um, I think I'll, most people, like, it's just a number on a screen. It's a bar chart. Mm. It's boring. No, you do have a point there. Like, I... I find them interesting as well, but not an not at an E3 press conference. There's a, there's yeah. a time and a place. I'll be quite interested right. if Nintendo's like, hey, these are our financial results for you know quarter one. I'll click on the link. Oh yeah, cool. That's that's interesting to me. Um, but when I'm like, all right, what games am I expecting this year? I don't want to see the charts of how well their previous year went, especially mm. when they just manipulate it to look good when it's not necessarily that good. I can't imagine early GameCube days would be all that exciting to be flashing up on the screen. Um, Not much to flash up. No, I haven't gone back and watched them, but, well, any any time recently anyway, but I can't imagine it would be too exciting. But uh, the DS, I think the DS was was one of the first systems I was really looking forward to at launch. Um, so um, I, I had a lot of sort of, times looking at magazines going online checking out the ds what it's all about and uh, seeing it go from the prototype to the original ds fat which which we eventually got and um do you have one by the way a fat ds yes i do yeah. that was my original one i have a lot of ds's but that was my first <laughs> yeah smacks ass that version it's um smacks ass of it. yeah smacks ass oh um both cheeks is that what you said that was yeah. No, yeah, it's smack. Yeah, Bryce said smacks cheeks. No, no, smacks ass. Badminton smacks ass. He said. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it's probably my least favorite DS. I like the DSi. Probably the DS Lite a bit, maybe a bit more, just because it has the Game Boy Advance. They're a bit more sleek. I will give you. That. Mm. And that's a lot of the criticism Reggie talks about from games journalists and Jeff Keeley as well. In the bonus interview on the audio book, they talk about. They're uh, <laughs> just like, you know, the, the DS, especially the prototypes, small screens looked a bit, a bit meh, especially compared to the PSP, which at the time was a really sleek looking device. Mm. Really nice. I remember even as a kid, the PSP looked awesome. But when I went online, they'd be like, all right, well, I kind of want one, especially later on when it was cheap. I just couldn't find any games I wanted on it. I, I couldn't find any, especially like warrant the purchase of one. So I never got one especially when it was yep. twice the price of the DS, a $400 handheld as a kid. I'm, mm. like, I'm not even going to try to ask for that for Christmas. <laughs> so much. But yeah, I'm looking at the old design of the DS, the prototype, and it just looks like, you know, it's a, yeah, the next level up from a toddler's sort of um, mm. toy hand to- toy handheld. And it look, look, looks pretty cheap and plasticky. There's that middle black um, border there around the two screens. Um yeah, I suppose. What what they redid it to get to was uh, definitely definitely better. So, um, yeah, good of them to take the feedback. You know, they've had their own Sonic the movie moment, and they've realised that we need to change the look of it and uh, um, helped make it look a lot better. But that didn't last long because I think the DS Lite was like, like a couple of years after. I think they were pretty quick to keep revising. Yeah, I think so. I think it was a couple of years. I think it was two thousand six. I think. Yeah, so they just kept redesigning it anyway. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of it too is like just the, the business decisions behind, like the DS launched uh, before Black Friday 2004. 
in the United States. Whereas for us, I think it was January, no, it was February 2005 that came out here in Australia. Yeah, we got it the next year. Yeah, yeah so there's a lot, like you can sort of see a lot of uh, Reggie's uh, decisions and pushing on, I guess, leadership at Nintendo of Japan just to just to really push the United States uh, ahead and get the inventory and all that. And we saw that with Wii as well, which uh, <laughs> which I, th- I think for me, when the Wii came out, I was a lot more of a Nintendo fan after spending a couple of years with the DS and the Game Boy Advance. So I was really looking forward to the Wii mm. and the wait between the release dates in the, the United States and Australia was just, it hurt. And then I had to wait for Christmas as well. So it was just drawn out that, that much longer. Was, was, it, so, was it a month, the Wii release date? Because I remember it getting, like before Christmas it came out. Yeah, it came out December here and it must have been yeah. November before Black Friday in the States. Mm. But, but yeah, I, I was the same. Like I, you know, I didn't get any other console on release until the Wii. And so the Wii was like the big one. Like, oh, this is cool. I want this too. I'm, I want to get this day one. And so... Um, yeah, where was it? I'm I'm looking on the trusted Wikipedia page for the uh, release date. It's not helping me very quick. Would have been just December, but yeah, I think um yeah, it's a little bit later. But yeah, that that was cool. That was you know that's you know part of their the, the beginning of their blue ocean strategy, isn't it? That he and uh, water helped come up with. Um, even the DS has a bit of that, doesn't it? With the um the touch screen controls the mic control that different way to play and, and then they start that kind of uh strategy of not not competing directly with the sony and microsoft it was you know i think that that brave switch of strategy and movement from what you know the gamecube didn't do that and so these consoles do it and that kind of gave them that unique niche or or segment of the market where they can you know have that more general um casual gamer experience and um that's where the sales were they, they were just mm. crazy what did the, the, the ds did sell what the Wii did sell um millions of units and, and a whole bunch of software as well yeah it's interesting to know how a couple of books in, like influenced them so much that mm. they just changed their guest business i guess after a couple of consoles that just uh you know fail pretty hardly compared mm. to their competitors I guess that's pretty inspirational as well to make a change up. up. Let's uh, have a look and mm. see what we can do differently. So, mm. yeah. but what, what's your sort of outlook on the Wii these days? Because I'm, I'm actually, I think of it really fondly, even though at, at the time, um, come 2012, I was, I was ready to move on pretty hard. But thinking back, I, I'm really fond of the Wii. I like its, I like the look of it and the motion controls for the games mm. that it utilized well. Um, so yeah, I loved it. I loved everything about the Wii. Um, yeah, like I said, got on release day. I I remember picking up all the titles. Super Mario Galaxy is is the one game I I cannot remember obsessing more about waiting to come out. And so this was thirteen year old Josh, I think, when it does come out the next year. Um, so some some really great memories. I feel like that's the console I I grew up with. I had I had my own GameCube for a couple of years, but that was towards the end of the life cycle of the console and, and there wasn't as much sort of hype and buzz around it whereas the mm. Wii is like we, we had it and then everyone was freaking out that we had one where we lived and everyone eventually got one um and you know there's some you know it it delivered to most sort of you know nintendo franchises came along and so it wasn't just 
the old stuff we had before, but also these new sort of experiences with with motion controls, like like Wii Sports is so good, Wii Fit, you know, different with the balance board. But it was just just it's just just a fun multiplayer system. So I, I have like great memories of friends coming over. I have two brothers, and so we just we play Smash Bros. We play Mario Kart Wii. So many hours into Mario Kart Wii. Um, all the party games, it, just yeah, great time. I will admit, just the last few years, you just go back to it, and it's just the motion controls annoy me now a little. Um, I don't know, like having to replace batteries in the Wii Remote just annoys <laughs> me for some reason. Um, so, sadly, I think the tinge has gone a little, but it still does hold a, a special, special place in my heart. So, just just what is completely quintessentially Nintendo what they did. That yeah. whole console is, yeah, yeah, just like really just trying something different and putting that out there mm. and. I think uh, as um, it really sort of sums up, I guess, Reggie's story, just trying to just, to, you know, break barriers and disrupt. And that is exactly what the Wii did. And that was the perfect product for him to push forward. It's just something that's completely different and getting questions from journalists going, how does this work? How does this, why are you doing this? And he, he and Awada and the team had just a, a really just straight and narrow message of, this is different. This is easy to pick up. This is what we're doing. This is good for, I guess, casual people to get in. This is our Blue Ocean strategy. We're not competing with those guys. And even going forward, this is what Nintendo continues to do. Maybe to less of an extent. Obviously, the Switch is a lot more comparable to, to the other two, apart from mm. you can you can take it with you and put it in your pocket. But I think um, just with the Wii and how it was, how it was handled was just... Really, really well done. I think uh, just on on a messaging point, and um, we we can look at the Wii U, and that definitely wasn't wasn't the case with that. They completely no. lost whatever it, ideas it they had in their head. <laughs> yeah, but he had to fight hard for the Wii to do well. Like he's like he talked oh, about how course. Wii Sports wasn't going to be bundled in, and so he had to fight for that. Yeah, and you know, me and Moto's getting really mad with him. Like the idea of giving away a free game is just Nintendo doesn't do that. Uh, we just you know, that, that's me and Moto with this developer hat on, you know, all, all this effort we're doing just to, to give it away for free, just uh, didn't sit right with him. But he, he kind of wins with the, the Western releases, getting the, the game packaged in, and I think the Japanese ones um, don't. Um, but that was a big fight. Um, even with the DS, trying to... Because um, uh, sadly, Metroid Prime Hunters wasn't going to be ready in time for the launch of... Um, of the DS, and so he fought for the demo to be included with the original mm. um, actual DSs, and so um, never got one of those. I don't know if they did launch in Australia like that, but um, they did. Yeah, that's such yep. a, it did. Yeah, mm. so it's such a cool concept. You know, that's like here's the new um, piece of Nintendo hardware. Here's you know not not you know maybe the Mario's and Kirby's or Zelda's you're used to. Here's um, Metroid um, 3D on a handheld. It's pretty crazy. Um, mm. It was a very oppressive game on DS. Yeah. Um, did you play yeah. it, Metroid Prime Hunters? I have not. It's mm -hmm. it's. I've played all the mainline Metroids. Um, I am up to the weird ones now. Um, so I need to get my hands on a copy of a physical copy of Metroid Prime Hunters. Yeah, it's well, just so expensive now. That's oh yeah, it would be. Um, I think it was like the multiplayer in that game was fantastic. It utilized you know the touch screen, the like, the dual screens. Um, even just like the wireless compatibility and online features of the DS. It was really impressive and it just shown off everything. And I didn't get the demo because 
it was only, I guess it was only included with the DS for the first month or so. And I got my DS in June 2005. That's when my birthday is. So I missed yep. out on the demo. But when the game eventually came out, I played it a whole heap. I didn't finish the campaign. I thought the campaign was, it was too repetitive. I wasn't enjoying it. They just like reskinned two bosses and just swapped between them as you went through. I'm like, ah, I don't know. I just lost interest. I know Bryce is a big fan of the campaign as well though, but um, it was it was interesting because um, Metroid Prime Hunters, it's developed by a team within Nintendo of America and I knew that, but I didn't realize it was purely because they're looking for a very Western type of game to push the DS hardware. Mm. And so that's why they specialized within Nintendo of America. And I didn't know that. So I thought that was that was interesting. And I think one of the biggest stories which you just t- touched on before was the inclusion of Wii Sports with every Wii sold in, I guess, everywhere apart from Japan. And just uh, the yep. really internal conflict that this uh, this put forward. But looking in hindsight, this was, a, this was a super necessary move. This was, this had to happen. Nintendo, like Reggie said, had to be aggressive coming from the GameCube, they're competing against PlayStation. And PlayStation, while they had a bit of dip in the PlayStation 3, even today, they are the strongest gaming brand in in video games. I I don't... You can look at maybe Nintendo as far as their IP go, you could say that. But as far as hardware goes as well, I I don't think um, PlayStation is going to be toppled anytime soon. Um, I think just too many people that want to play a video game like whether it's FIFA or any of these sports games or Call of Duty, it's all on PlayStation. Yeah. And it was pretty much no different then, maybe even stronger than with the PlayStation 2. If you want a game, it's going to be on PlayStation 2. If you want Grand Theft Auto, you want anything from Rockstar, um, it's just all on PlayStation apart from Halo and Mario. That's it. So they had to come out just swinging because PlayStation, they were looking aggressive. They had the PlayStation Portable. They were going to take up the biggest... Um, market Nintendo had that they needed to hold Ready on to. to really shake things up. Yeah. Yeah. So with Wii Sports, if if Miyamoto and Iwata said, all right, it's not going to be included, and Reggie went, okay. Oh, God, I could only imagine. Like I, The Wii would still be successful, but I think just that clear messaging of this this can be a tennis racket or a golf club mm. or, a, or, a, or a boxing glove, I think that just nailed home what the uh, what the system could do. Because potentially in Japan, people could have picked up the Wii, bought Twilight Princess, which is a fantastic game, but it doesn't narrow in just what this system is and what it can do. And people could have mm. potentially missed out on that title and never really got the full enjoyment out of the Wii. And honestly, I feel a little bit it's the same about the Switch with 1-2-Switch. I know we can look at that game. And one two switch, you know, it's is it worth eighty bucks? Hell no, but it really shown the features and what the switch can do differently to the other consoles. And um, one point a lot of people bring up is the HD rumble, how you can feel the different marbles rolling around in your Joy-Con. Mm. But I think the uh, the point I want to just really em- emphasize with the switch is that it bringing it portable isn't just you sitting there playing it. It can also just transform an area and un- unlock your imagination to really have fun and like there's multiple games in there we got the joy con like you're going down a runway you got to do certain poses and it's real simple just give a joy con to a friend and you know i was showing my mom the switch and we were just laughing and like cracking up laughing just doing these silly games whether it's sword fighting or 
the Magic Wand game and all that. And honestly, I feel like the Switch really missed out on not having that. So just thinking that on a a lot bigger scale, which is Wii Sports with the Wii, that would have changed the trajectory for Nintendo. Like these these micro mm. decisions, which is like that game, which we would probably charge like forty bucks for. Let's just let's take a hit on that game. We still got we still got the Legend of Zelda. We still got Mario games. We still got. Mm. Uh, we fit, which is going to come out a couple of years later and just dominate the charts and sell this very profitable bit of plastic, I dare say. But it's it's decisions like that that are just are really interesting to get a look at. And there's multiple of these in this book, which uh, are at Nintendo and also are not. But yeah, it, it just made sense too. It just gave people a reason to further get a Wii, people talked about it. There was just real genuine hype around Wii Sports. And it, it just, you know, it, the Wii Sports was easy to understand and you give them the remote. And like you said, it's just easy to understand. You mimic the actions like you're playing real sports. And so, um, yeah, bundling it together, uh, you know, and even with the Wii Play, bundling it with the Wii Remote, um, that was a big thing Reggie pushed for as well. And um, yeah. Gives you another reason it's a multiplayer system, and and so you do that. And it's what I did. We we bought Wii Sports mm. with the Wii, and then we bought Wii Play because of the remote. And so mm. we got these two games at launch, two remotes. We could do multiplayer. We could try out all the other games in Wii Play and test out all the other things that Wii Sports didn't showcase with the actual um, Wii Mote. And so, yeah, that that just yeah, it just sold it right there. That's all you needed, and it just yeah gave it the step up that it needed for the rest of its cycle i am um, it, it's different for the switch and and for the wii u i feel um mm. because you know nintendo tried to do nintendo land with the wii u and it just doesn't have the same general appeal does it it's 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 niche nintendo ip that the general player will know the mario and then zelda maybe but you know the pikmin world or the metroid one aren't as well known it, it's more of a party game that's a bit more you know Mm, not as well mm. generally received and and then the same thing i feel with with one two switch like it, it should have been bundled in i get that it should have you know shown what the joy cons can do but um at the same time i think it was the portability that just sold it by itself and then having breath of the wild there day one that, that definitely seller. yeah seller <laughs> definitely yeah yep. sometimes so. like i i think to myself what is the most important nintendo game that they have released It'll be between Breath of the Wild, Wii Sports, potentially something like um, Super Mario World. Even Super Mario Bros. Just for that to do so well. Of course, Super Mario Bros. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's lots of there's lots of points in Nintendo's history. I I argue Breath of the Wild because a lot of people consider Nintendo out. Like, yeah. And Nintendo's been considered out a lot of times, but I think this time was real. (laughs) Like it was. It was like, all right, like, are you guys seriously going to keep making stuff? And yeah, Breath of the Wild mm. just nailed home. Like, yes, they still make great games. Yes, the hardware still facilitates um, their vision and what they want to do. Um, so, yeah, I get, I might change my mind every time I sort of think about that question, but it's a, it's something anyway. But um, I want to, I want to yeah. touch back on what you said about Wii Play when, uh, <laughs> Like with your story and how he was describing it with uh, Miyamoto, been like Reggie, you don't understand how much work goes into creating video games. It's like, yeah, well, 
I, I get that Miyamoto. And then, then they brings up, then he basically comes back and says, Reggie, we've got this game. It's called like essentially called Wii Play. And that can be bundled with the Wii. The Wii. And you know, Reggie has a look at it. Goes, look, these games are fun, but it really doesn't nail in why people need to play a Wii. Why don't yeah. we bundle this with the Wii Mote? So instead of giving away one game, they're actually giving away two games with two different products. And I can only imagine just like me and Moto's like what, <laughs> just completely loses his mind. Like you want to give away one game? He didn't like the idea uh, of that. Then he just yeah. <laughs> but the, <laughs> This yeah. doubles down. No, it's two now. If yeah. you keep arguing with me, I'm going to throw in uh, uh, Wii Fit as well when that comes out. You know, mm. it's just just doubling down. But it, it was the right call, wasn't it? And then definitely, I can imagine it would have been so frustrating from a developer's point of view. You know, the, the marketer, the, the guy that you probably think doesn't know anything about video, the video game business comes in with the, all these weird and brash ideas. And um, I could understand that point of view. Um, I get that at work sometimes. People come along and tell you how to do your job better and I, I have no idea. So. I, I can definitely get that. Basically, someone telling you how to do your job, even though they got no idea how you do your job. But in saying that, Wii Play, seriously, you didn't want to bundle that in with a Wiimote. That's a bit of a stretch, Miyamoto. Calm down. Mm. I'm sure it didn't take that much time. If he wanted to bundle in Super Mario Galaxy with a Wiimote, <laughs> then there might be a bit yeah. more of a... A Miyamoto spat to go on in the it office. Was a bad call on his part, but I think his worst one was saying Pikmin was the next Mario. Still, that's still definitely my uh, top one. He's got wrong. Hey, look, that comment might age uh, poorly soon because I, I, next, I really hope it will. Next Pikmin's if, just if I like have to keep bad mouthing it. Then <laughs> I will. But Pikmin Four to do come out. Mm. Well, it's a bit like Animal Crossing. It's almost double the sales of Mario Odyssey. So, mm. you know, stranger things mm. have happened. <laughs> Uh, I guess that doesn't count though. Mario Kart is still ahead of it. So Mario technically is still there. <laughs> yeah. Just keeps selling, doesn't it? Damn. God damn. We'll get it eventually, Mario Kart mm. 10. So there's so many stories in the book within the, uh, I guess, the Wii and DS era. Um, the last one for this era I probably want to touch on, unless you can think of another one you want to touch on, is just the uh, um, the brain training sort of uh, mm. story that goes on. And brain training is, yeah. it turned out to be an absolute massive game, but this 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 is definitely a title that just didn't exist. This game, games like this didn't mm. exist. This was before the iPhone and the App Store was what it is today or even was back in 2010. Like it just, it grew really uh, quick uh, mobile gaming, but like the idea of just turning on your DS, nice and casual, testing out your brain, doing some puzzles, turning it off. That just it wasn't the concept um, uh, on Game Boy Advance or PSP or mm. you know it's just it wasn't a, a thing you did or associated with video games. But um, in in Japan it was a, it was a massive hit. Just with a uh, what's his name again? A uh, Doctor um, Kimishima? No, not Kimishima. That's uh, <laughs> Nintendo president. Uh, um, um, I forgot now. Yeah, I'm gonna. I don't want to embarrass myself and get it wrong. Um, he yeah. doesn't. Anyway, you look you you look it up for Karashima. me. Karashima. Karashima. I can't remember. It's on the box. I can't remember. Sorry, um, but it's yeah, it. I think just like he he was basically a celebrity. Karashima. Yeah, he was a celebrity in Japan, and mm. um, yeah, I didn't know that. They 
they were able to sort of market the game with the help of you know his uh, his figure in Japan and he had this idea of brain training training your brain trying to get your brain age down each day and it's just a kind of a, a cool little concept and they're looking mm. at how to translate it and bring it over to the to uh, the west and all of the troubles that uh, brought along with just translation and you know uh, I guess technology that lets you uh, I guess recognize uh, like letters in the English English language compared to kanji uh, kanji and all that um, but the, the biggest one was just like the introduction of Sudoku to the game and how that was put to Satoru Iwata and um, all of that to I guess remain to the uh, integral product that the uh, Japanese release was so I thought that was really interesting, just like simple stuff like that as well. Yeah, which... it just, just seemed like a massive logistical nightmare because Reggie wants it in the West and then they're just talking about all these challenges and I kind of like, it just, just reminded me of like, I've had I've been told to do something so I've got to send like a product idea to, to our software team and they're just telling me all these challenges, you can't do this because of this, this and this and, and this is the same thing, it's just like, like you said, like the English language with the touch screens, it's so different to how you would write it in, in Japanese. Mm. And then um, not just the letters, but the numbers. Um, and then, yeah, Reggie wants Sudoku in there because it just needs something else just to um, make it appealing to the Western audiences. And Water doesn't like that idea because uh, Karashima's like, this is all of his games that he's signed off on and there's no Sudoku in what he has talked about. And so... Um, just, just a massive effort to localize it to get to a Western release. And it does happen in the end, and Kawashima's happy with the Sudoku, loves the idea of it being in there. Um, but yeah, it was just, just the typical kind of, you know, it, it just seemed like Nintendo of Japan were just doing their own thing, and it, it just didn't seem like there was ever any thought from them to see if it would work in the Western, in America and Europe. Um, that was the other thing. They had to localize it for all the languages in Europe as well and that's oh. know, that's another 10 other languages there so um, it, it just, just yeah crazy kind of like it, it helped me get a bit more appreciation of you know it's especially with touch controls and that kind of recognition of what you're actually typing or writing with a stylus it's there's a lot to it sometimes even for probably deem brain training a simple game but in the grand scheme of things it, it wasn't in the end but it seemed like it was well worth the uh the investment there to get the DS, yeah, out there. And 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 you're right, it was before mobile gaming and you can kind of think about it now. And it's such yeah, it was mobile gaming before mobile gaming was a thing. The fact that, you know, older people, mums and dads were just picking up the DSs and playing it, treating it not like a handheld gaming console. It was more sort of like a I don't know, like you would think of a Kindle now, just a device mm. they had to play games. And so um interesting how they talked about it wasn't the parents pushing to buy a console it was the kids annoyed yeah. that the parents were borrowing their ds's too much to play a bit of brain training and so it's reggie was talking about how the kids were pushing no you gotta buy your own console but i've had enough of this you gotta let me play my games and, and leave me to it so um you know i l look at my family um my parents aren't gamers but we had multiple DS's, um, but my partner's parents, they had a DS and they, they were playing it and so it's just a whole oh, cool. you know, you look per household, how many four or five per household on average between us, it's uh, pretty crazy. 
Mm, yeah, know, definitely. Sold so many. I, sh- I don't have too much uh, experience with brain training. I-, I ended up picking up the sequel, which was just called More Brain Training. <laughs> so I-, I never actually played it a whole lot, but I-, I had a fair bit of experience with um, a few of the touch generation games, which they they dubbed, I guess, the, the casual games you might expect, um, yeah. like your parents and all that uh, type of crowd to get into. I was a big fan of Nintendogs. They talked about how mm. Nintendogs was uh, a big sort of... Uh, I guess, moment for the DS, proving why you need it, utilizing its features um, with the touchscreen, the microphone, all that type of thing. I love Nintendogs. I um, I took my dogs for walks every day, got money, upgraded like uh, your living room and your living area. I remember the most expensive living area was just called Space. And it was just like you're basically in space or you got this interactive wallpaper. Space. Okay. Yeah. It was, uh, it was really awesome. And... Uh, Un- un- unlocking the Jack Russell. The Jack Russell was the, the hardest dog to unlock in the game. I think you needed like a certain amount of walking experience or kilometers walked or something. And eventually eventually you just randomly pick it up. And I shared that Jack Russell care book with all my mates. We all unlocked Jack Russells and we just all had all these Jack Russells going for walks with one another. It's good times. Um, did, nice. Did we still interact with our real dogs? Yes, we did. Of course we did. Good. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, I never picked it up. I never um touched it. I I I don't. I, I didn't really have a very sort of. It was it was more sort of traditional DS titles to me. It was yeah the Mario Karts, the Super Mario Bros, the Pokemon's, mm-hmm. um, a bit of Mario and Luigi. But yeah, that, that was the main stuff really. None of the, um, brain trainings or Nintendo Dogs and Cats. Um. Yeah, none of that more casual stuff. So I never Layton maybe to a degree. I don't know. Oh yeah, that yeah. was one of them too. Mm. Yeah, I never got into but Professor Layton. A bit yeah. too puzzly for me. I just like patting dogs. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and they brought a cats one, didn't they? Nintendo dogs and cats. Yeah, that was the 3DS one. It was a launch title. Ah, okay. I never played it. I was. Yes. I, I I pat my dogs. You know, I didn't need to pat my dogs in 3D. You didn't pay, need to pay sixty dollars to do what you're doing for already. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting okay. too. Like on the 3DS, it just. It's one of those things too when the screen you interact with isn't the one where all the content shows up on. That was one of the problems with the 3DS because like your dog is on the 3D screen to utilize the 3D, but you're padding on the bottom screen. There's a bit of a disconnect there, which was a, I think it was something they thought about, but I don't think they actually worried about too much, (laughs) even though they might have. The 3D was more important because they wanted to showcase that than Mm. the the aesthetic look and feel of it. So. Mm. Yeah. So um, I think that brings us to the end of that that era. Let's move into a juicy era. Just before you do. Oh, oh, yes. Please. The Game Boy Micro. I loved his oh, thoughts yes. on it. Yeah. I loved his thoughts, how he, it, 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 you know, he hated it. Just um, mm. came out really late into the DS's run. And then Nintendo's like, here's this teeny tiny Game Boy Advance. And um, really small, hard to see. Um, he, I, my notes here, he says it's, it ran counter to current electronic trends and it was a distraction for us in the market. So, Yeah, because um, it came out, yeah. did it come out in 2005? The Game Boy 05, Game? I think. Yeah. yeah so uh, at least a year into the DS's run. And mm. so. It is, um, a, it is an interesting product because yeah. even, even me as a kid, you're sort of thinking like the DS came out and they bring out another Game Boy Advance, which is just mm. smaller. Because like, the, yeah. like the, the Game Boy Advance PSP, not PSP, SP. SP. 
um sp it's what like, it felt like yeah it's just an awesome awesome device but bringing out a smaller one i never really got the idea of it i know some people might enjoy it because it's really pocketable or something like that but yeah my, my brother got one but he had an sp before and so i think i had no i didn't understand why he got it because i had the original ds and so i could play both ds mm. and gba games on that so i was fine um i didn't have a gba technically because i just had the game boy color and skip straight to the, the DS for me because I could play both. Um, mm. But he's got that somewhere and I want to make sure he still has it because they're worth a lot. They're like a arm and a leg on, mm. uh, online. Those uh, micros, very rare. So it, it seems like Reggie thought the same. Most of us thought just like, what's the point of this? Well, I'm not going to buy it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it's, I look at like, you know, the, the support that the 3DS got two plus years into into the Switch's life, you know, people are complaining, you know, Samus Returns comes to the mm. the 3DS and people are like, oh, why isn't it on the Switch? Um, similar concept here, I suppose. Yeah. When, when, did, when did the 2DS XL, new new oh. 2DS XL come out? That was the last one, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I Was that I, into the Switch's run? I can't remember. Yeah, I can't quite remember it. Might it have been a similar I think it concept. might have just, can't quite remember, but yeah, it, yeah. Because I, I think with uh, Nintendo as well, they weren't all that confident that the DS was going to be the true successor to the Game Boy Advance. So they're running it as like yeah, the, the fourth pillar. The third. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess the, the third pillar um, mm. at the time. And I guess the Game Boy Micro was still those plans just just uh, I guess eking over to um, what they were doing with the DS. But it's like, mm, it doesn't mm. really make that much sense now. The DS is taken off. And they don't need the Game Boy Advance, and the Game Boy Advance has a nice yeah. short life, and it is That's what it, it is. Yeah. Mm. Um, the um, new, new Nintendo DS XL, oh, that's such a mouthful, um, mm-hmm. came out about four months after the Switch launch, it did, July did it? 2017. Yeah, okay. So June for us in Australia. Because I, so. um, I picked up a new 2DS XL uh, a while later. I got, I, got two on, I got two on sale. They were both Pokemon ones. Like the po- okay, the no. Pokeball design with like the pressable button on the top, yeah, I know that one, and and the Pikachu one with like the raised cheeks yeah, and eyes. They're really um, good. Mm, I saw them on Amazon for like 150 bucks each. I'm like, looks like I'm getting some new 2DS XLs, boys. Because yeah. <laughs> I me up. I love right. the Pokeball one, man. It's so cool. I yeah. was I was looking at it at PAX and just seeing it behind like the glass case. I'm like, I really want one, but really shouldn't it's a buy cool one. Display item. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I should use it. I hacked it and I put it in a grip. Yeah. So I get a fair bit of use out of it. Mm. Apart from just yeah, chuck, nice. pressing that button on top. But um, let's go to the, the mm. Wii U era of the book. And I, I got to admit, Josh, this this let me down a little bit. I wanted to hear a little bit more about it. I, I'm, I'm the same with you. I was going to mm. make that point. Because we got so yeah. much we got so much detail about mm. the Wii, the DS, yeah. like yeah. some of the... Well, I guess Reggie's most successful products and products that defined his career. But when it comes to just like such a failure, it's just like, yeah, well, it didn't find uh, all that much traction in the marketplace and it's, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. But he didn't really, Mm. I wanted to hear like what he thought of the Wii U, whether what he was saying was just what he wanted people to think. And did he think it was a poorly made product? Did he think it was this? But he ultimately just comes down to saying that it didn't have enough software, not enough software at launch, not enough software to push it later on. There was too much of a wait between titles. All of that is true. And uh, mm. I think I think he could have easily admitted that if he was still at Nintendo. I don't 
So ultimately, I don't think we got anything that we wouldn't have got out of him, regardless of if he's at Nintendo or not. Um, yeah, it, it was like, is it too soon? Is there like people still at Nintendo there that he doesn't want to annoy and you know um, call out because in doing so he might put the spotlight on who's currently there. So yeah, I, I mean, it was a bit of a shame and thought no, unless there was something he could own up to, but he didn't really do a lot. He, it wasn't no. that his. Uh, so I don't like. This is me. I'm just assuming he's president of Nintendo of America at the time. He's pretty high up and pretty influential by this time. And so it just seems like maybe he was pretty, pretty sweet and pretty hot on the idea of the Wii U and, and what it meant. And yeah, um, I don't think he maybe admitted as much as he could have about yeah whether it was good. Like even the name, like he just you know, he just talks about how good the marketing, like with the Wii and the DS was, and then he they acknowledge, he acknowledge, acknowledges a little that the Wii mm. U marketing was a little confusing. At first, people didn't quite understand it, and so they try and fix that the next time. But, mm. um, yeah, just just totally a massive failure. And I just, yeah, I was really excited to sort of. This was my most, apart from the Mother Three stuff. I really wanted to know more about the Wii U because that that's it's such an interesting time. It would have been behind the scenes, and so, um, yeah. So maybe in this next book, ten years from now or something, he'll he'll release more. But yeah, would like to know more. Yeah, because he, he comes in, he has this big defining moment at E3, about mm. kicking ass, taking names, and we're about making games. There's a lot of sto- there's a lot of sort of story, uh, you know, how he just came up with saying that and all of that and with those two consoles and moving on to the successes and these successes, even the 3DS is, a, especially at the start, is a pretty big failure. The Wii U was, mm. it was always a failure. It never never recovered. And like me as a consumer, I'm like, I remember at E3 2011, being like, I cannot wait for another Nintendo console. I'm ready for HD. I'm ready for to move forward with online services like Mario Kart with good online, new Super Smash Brothers, um, new experiences. Hopefully, getting back to just playing with a controller because at the time, especially you know, the games coming out were limited. Like playing Skyward Sword, for example, 2011. Yeah. You know, just not in HD and all with motion controls. I'm like, oh, look, I'm getting a bit bit tired of it. And, you know, mm. like I said, I'm very nostalgic nostalgic about Wii now, but at that time, just ready to move on. And they come out. Nintendo has always had a tradition of moving on with the name, calling it something completely different. And mm. when they announced Wii U, I'm like, oh, like I literally sighed. I'm like, okay, well, you know, it's going to have Smash Brothers and Mario Kart. I'm going to enjoy it and ultimately did. But there was so many things I was, I, I wanted answered. I'm like, how do you believe this is okay? <laughs> mm. Yeah. And, what, what, what through their heads? Yeah. I don't know. And I think the whole generation was defined by the moment they released it. I'll announce the name. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and, and my sort of thoughts yeah. never changed. I, I really enjoyed the, the machine for what it was, but um, not hearing like the this like the process, like you know, I wanted to hear stories of like oh, I went over to Japan and talked with Iwata about this, and he disagreed or whatever. Like we got a lot of those during the Wii, like the Wii Sports, like that was a whole story, just whether we should put this game with with it, and it just uh, it wasn't the case with the Wii U. And yeah, don't know. I just want I I need to know more. It's like a it's like a breakup. You just need that conclusion. Like, what happened here? 
Yeah, just, just <laughs> give me some answers for next time. I just, no, you're right. Cause the Wii, the Wii U, uh, sorry, the Wii, uh, those, those last two years, I barely remember any games that ca- came out. I think I kind of fell off. Mm. I think Nintendo didn't do much with it as well. No. Just trying to rack my brain. But yeah, I, I suppose for me, I didn't, you know, I, I was starting uni when the Wii U came out. I didn't have a job at the time. So I was just uh, studying and uh, mm-hmm. living out of home. So I was trying to focus on other things. And so gaming wasn't a massive priority for me. But I saw the Wii U and the launch lineup and nothing really interested me. Like we had played Super Mario yeah. Bros. on the DS and the Wii so many times. And so even the 3DS had a version by that time. And mm-hmm. so the, the, the U version didn't do anything for me. It wasn't until Mario Kart 8 came out that I'm like, I have to get a Wii U now. And yeah. I got that day one. Two years later. Well, almost yep. two years later, mind you. It's like, holy right. shit. Yeah. So um, there's nothing that really, and I, I've grown up with Nintendo and it just didn't, nothing really clicked for me for it. So, um, yeah, it, it, even a 3DS I got a little bit later for the same reasons. But mm. yeah, once it, once I got it, I loved it. But um, I don't know, just, yeah, maybe just me at 18, 19, 20, bit on over games. I don't know, but. I think a little bit of it as well was it, was, it wasn't didn't seem exciting so well um i guess yeah the thing with me too is like the the way you hit me at a oh, very similar age to you obviously um but it was really influential i feel and it hit me at a time that i look back on very fondly and there's a lot of things i look back on the way you extremely fondly um in 2012 i was year 12 at school um i really hate exams to the point where when I finished my exams, like, sorry, before I went to school to either just like practice or even doing the exams, I'll be, I'll throw up before I get in my car and drive to school. I was so oh. nervous um, mm-hmm. because I guess with, with that type of stress, I just didn't handle it very well. Like I was, I've never been a, a test type of student at high school. Um, so looking, I think it was like the 12th of December, the Wii U was going to launch here in Australia. And I was, I was just looking ahead. Like that was something to look forward to. Once all of this is over, I can release my stress and then a new Nintendo console comes out, get to play around with Miiverse, these new features, the gamepad, even just like holding the new Nintendo controller. It's just like, mm. it's, it's, it's fun. It's interesting. When I went and pick, picked up the Wii U, the first thing I got, I just unboxed it, got that the Wii U. I'm like, this is thing is pretty cool. And you know, mm. it, it, it kind of was. Um, but just with, just being out of school, participating in their really fun E3 events. Um, multiplayer on the Wii U was, you know, it was my go-to console as far as Mario Kart and Smash Brothers went, always playing on them. Mm. Um, so I, I've, I, I love the Wii U, but I also hate it. It's, it's a really interesting... Uh, love hate. Yeah. yeah. So I think I just wanted a bit more of a story on it. And we ultimately got a lot of stories about the DS. We got a lot of sort of discussions. Um, actually, one, one story I do remember about the Wii U is that they... Um, they got rid of the the white edition in the states. I'm not sure mm. if they did here, um, but they. I remember it disappearing pretty quickly. I think, and it was just yeah. the one offering, I believe. Yeah, because everyone For the who, same reasons. Mm. Yeah, everyone wanted the black one. Yeah, everyone who's buying a yeah. Wii U is like, I'm a Nintendo fan. I, I I would like a bit more storage. 32 gigabytes. How generous. <laughs> 32 compared to eight. Jesus yeah. Christ. Um, what the PlayStation Three yeah. launch with like 60 gigabytes? Jesus Christ. Back in 2006. Like <laughs> yeah, I know. It's uh, completely different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that was interesting and in how they had to resort to just um, different bundles. Uh, mm. Just like, we, did, I can't remember Price if we got this. Well. 
yeah, I can't remember if we got the Zelda um, Wii U here with like all the Wind Waker sort of stuff around it. But in the States they did. They got uh, a new Super Mario Bros. Luigi, uh, the DLC. that bundle with the Wii U. With the Wii U. Yeah. Yeah. They got a few things there. I remember... uh, this is like Nintendo is very desperate at the time. So I remember both the 3DS and the Wii U had their, you buy a game, you get another one free kind of thing. Mm. Or it was something along those lines. And so that's how yeah. I got like Pikmin 3 I remember on the that, Wii U. Because mm. I bought Mario Kart, I believe. And so that like, um, obviously I bought the Wii U for Mario Kart. And I, th- I think I bought it a few months before because I demoed it at a um, at a convention. And so I'm like, yeah, I'll get a Wii U because Mario Kart was smacking the ass. And... Um, <laughs> And then it was the same thing with the the 3ds because it was just <laughs> um, it same thing with the 3ds. It was just sales were really bad, and so I got a free version of uh, New Leaf. I remember when that came out. Oh, nice! Yeah, buying the, the actual handheld. So you know they're just throwing darts at a board at this point and hoping something sticks. And um, really off to a bad start. Mm. Actually, I, I mean a bad second chapter because the first few weeks of both consoles sold really well like the, the fanboys buy them um uh everyone who wants one true nintendo fan gets it straight away and yeah. so me and bryce um, were the only ones at eb games in our town <laughs> i think actually that's a lie there's one other person there's three people at the wii launch that is yeah. uh not how a success is to the, to the wii come. should come out eh? Yeah, Jesus. Uh, yeah, that me versus so diverse. The three of you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it just just goes to show, doesn't it? But but the Wii is great. Like the front, the concept. Like I, I remember, you know, switching from the TV to the to the gamepad. Um, mm. you know, using like like Splatoon online was great. That was that was so, such good fun. Yep, definitely. Some, some um, decent games on there, and then the virtual console was amazing as well. And then then I played a lot of it since the Switch has come out because there were some great virtual console games on there that I just couldn't get access to. I played the Castlevanias, the Game Boy Advance versions before the Switch version came out last year. Mm. So um, getting to experience them on, on the gamepad. Mm. And then and Metroid Fusion and Zero Mission. Like, this is like, if you're a Nintendo fan, like these virtual console offerings, that's where you go. That's that's how you can play these games legally. And so, um, yeah, just just, you know, it, it's funny because at the time, I don't think it got the love and appreciation. Definitely not from me. But now, now in the last couple of years, few years, I've uh, changed my tune on it a bit. So um, you get getting get those nostalgia goggles going. Uh, that's what's going yeah, on. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like a lot of people are getting nostalgia goggles. I'm like, guys, this it was it was not fun <laughs> back then. Just being like, all right, Pikmin three comes out in three months. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's it but like like they had that amiibo festival they had um ultra smash at the end of 2015 there and then they delay star fox zero to 2016 and then that that, that 2016 window is just like nothing else because they're just like now we're delaying everything to the to the switch now so it, it was rough you know it's um being there throughout that whole four and a half year period as a nintendo fan was a rough time and um, sort of. Yeah, a, maybe maybe Reggie's just too triggered by it all to talk about it in depth because it was just <laughs> don't blame none him. of it was good. Thirteen um, million units. Yeah, thirteen like, million worldwide. Everyone that's pays out the PlayStation Vita, tiny. but the PlayStation Vita sold seventeen million, and that that was <laughs> that wasn't even Sony's um, important product. 
<laughs> the Dreamcast still. I reckon the Dreamcast was around about the same. Mm, I think it didn't beat the Dreamcast. I, th- I feel like the Dreamcast was still ahead. But um, what what Nintendo was really good at in this era was their Nintendo Directs. Beat the they they stopped they doing their live presentations, started doing Directs, as um, especially during the E3 time. And this is this is the most fun era of Nintendo I've ever been a part in. I st- I was at a one. Well, this was 2014. I was at Bryce's place with a couple of mates. We we'll, we took a, a day or so off to um, watch E3. We watched Xboxes, watched Sony's, Ubisoft's, probably not, maybe EA's. I don't know if they had it at the time. Um, watched all of the all of the press conferences, and towards the end. I was just like, oh god! All right, I think I've I think I've had enough. It's a bit, a lot of guns, a lot of violence. Like the FPS genre was very prominent. <laughs> there wasn't many other games being shown at E3. Like yep. obviously a lot of diversity, but as far as big AAA games go, it's all violence. It's all whatever. Yeah. It's all people coming up saying why they're better. All right. Well, I guess it's time for Nintendo. One thirty in the morning. Let's go, and. <laughs> Bryce and I, we were big fans of Robot Chicken and Reggie steps out on stage animated in Robot Chicken style and we're all just like, is this Robot Chicken? And it was. And is just real? Yeah. yeah, and just like the inside jokes um, for like Nintendo culture within their games, within the media, like it all, it's all just included. You can tell Nintendo fans made this. And it turns out as well that Jeff Keighley was actually involved in this. Um, yeah, these these yeah. presentations and, and the Muppets won the following year but 2014 man just like how it celebrated their culture how they pushed forward with announcements and showing off stuff like the, like Smash Brothers announcing Splatoon a lot of this it was really really exciting to be a Nintendo fan that year even though Nintendo was down and out that was the year they could have potentially turned it around but there still wasn't enough to push a $430 console with not enough support and nowhere near enough third-party support. But it was it was a fantastic time to be a fan. It really was. It was a lot more fun to be a mm. fan in 2014 than it is in 2022, even though there are so many more awesome games coming out this year than there were in 2014. And that's that's kind of kind of sucks the, the say, but it just shows that when a company is successful, they really aren't on their on their back legs just fighting for their life. And they're certainly not there now. But in some ways, I, I want to see that Nintendo come back just like really hungry, really want it, really appeal to yeah. the people that push their products. Like people are going to find out about the Switch and they already have. But it's the people on the ground floor, which uh, I guess nerds like us making Nintendo podcasts. You're at a video game website. You're talking about... Mm. about your love and your nostalgia for, for the IP. And I really do wish that comes back eventually. We, we see that uh, Sony went through the exact same thing only a couple of years later with the success with the PlayStation 4. All their personalities and all that have gone off. Their marketing's dry. It's all of that. But mm. if, I've got to, uh, yeah. if I've got to clap my hands for Nintendo, it's definitely during the Wii U era um, when they're on their back foot. They made some ordinary decisions with development software for the Wii U and the system itself. But I think uh, the marketing team and Nintendo America just really came out and went really well. 
Yeah, they're having some fun. And it was, yeah, like you said, some great presentations. That, that, that robot chicken thing's classic. And then the Mother 3 references. And, you know, at that stage, Reggie just gets asked every every press conference. There's always a question from Mother 3. You know, is this um, actual, you know, um, way of, you know, him having a joke about it and saying F you back to him. And uh, I'm going to get this fire flower and, and just burn you up. Here you go. Here's your answer. And so, yeah, I just have some really fun and creative directs that, that we just don't get these days and I think the last funny thing we had in direct was when Doug Bowser was introduced and then the whole Bowser um, confusion because the other Bowser's there so um, yeah you had you had Awada you had Reggie you had some really big names and you know I think it was really cool they got to do that before Awada did pass and some pretty you know even the, the fight between Reggie and Awada as part of Smash Bros oh dude of, uh, I was yeah I couldn't contain myself because that's yeah. We um we ate That's up it. every single Smash announcement there was, and we loved the personalities that were at Nintendo, especially Reggie, especially Iwata, and just seeing the opening cinematic of like Reggie just like looking up from the shadows, like what the hell yeah. is this? Then Iwata does it, then they start fighting, and it's just yeah. like the introduction. They just they 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 knew their audience like so well, like it was mm. it was unreal. They had Fans some. Loved they it, had some yeah. a, like accidental memes, I guess, with like my body is Reggie at um, E3 2007 with the Wii mm. Fit board. That a- accidental memes, but I think they really started focusing on internet culture and who is going to actually be watching these press like these directs, and it is their fans, and then through the fans that will reach more people through that. But yeah, that that Smash Brothers. Yeah. That is my favorite trailer of anything mm. ever. I love it so much. It is amazing. I was, Bryce, yeah. I was on the ground. I couldn't breathe. And that was during a, f- a friggin' video game marketing hour. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just like, here's, here's our games. Enjoy, buy them, please. Especially yeah, now. <laughs> I, yeah, you just couldn't help but smile with that kind of stuff. And yeah, I just. You, you miss it now, don't you? Look oh, back at it. I miss it the, so the much. Extra effort, and then and then you know people are still hyped to for e for sorry to, for directs, obviously for the games. But um, I think back then it was also what else are they going to sort of throw at you? What sort of um, skits or funny bits are they going to? It's just the do? unknown, wasn't it? It was just so unknown mm. at the time. And yeah, yeah, it's just they probably ended up being like, oh, it just costs us too much money. Like um, I probably yeah. won't. I won't go into it um, in detail, but 2015, they did the, I guess the Muppets, which uh, apparently they called the Nuppet or Nuppets or something, just because so, they're Nintendo Muppets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they touched on yeah, that. They did the puppets and then they did the actual, yeah, the other puppet one. Yeah. yeah. And I thought that was great mm. too. I didn't enjoy it quite mm. as much as the robot chicken one, but just having Reggie doing sit up, oh, sorry, push-ups going Nintendo 62, Nintendo 63, yeah. Nintendo 64. Like, you just like, you know, dumb stuff like that. It's funny. It makes yeah. um, the presentation around these announcements is a lot of fun. And uh, I think that's ultimately lost with um, with the passing of Iwata. I think, mm. uh, yeah, that was that was really hard hard for me just reading that news. I'm, I'm sure it was for yourself and a, a lot of other Nintendo fans, but just a very special man. And you can just tell... Uh, he he was a very big bit of the secret sauce at Nintendo and while he might have made some decisions that were a bit baffling, like ultimately being like, oh, look, no Wii Sports here and the Wii U in general. And yeah, there's a few decisions which I'm sure he could have uh, improved on, but a lot of respect for that man, certainly. Yeah, he, um, yeah, I, I like, I, I remember the 
finding out and being really shocked because so, I don't think it was public that he was sick or that something was happening to him. I don't know. I I don't think I was aware of that anyway if there was, but yeah, just this real big sort of shock and, you know, um, he'd been there for in the president role for over 10 years at that point, I believe. Early 2000s, he had been um, appointed. Mm, 2002, out- I think, yeah. Yeah, so 13 years. So he deemed himself an outsider um, when he joined and um, yeah, did well. Yeah, he, I think he came from, from Howell, didn't he? Yeah. He came from just outside, so close, but yeah. So, you know, him him and Reggie started at very similar times in the company and, and uh, sort of worked together and, uh, like you said, argue on a lot of things and but make a lot of sort of common ground. And he seemed like like you could reason with the water and um, he would see the business side to it, whereas, you know, Miyamoto would see the, the non-business side coming from the developer angle um but yeah it was one thing they couldn't agree on was the uh 3ds price yeah so and then Reg- reggie called that his biggest uh failure well at nintendo of america the pricing not mm. getting it to the 199 <laughs> I, d- I don't blame him either it, it cost him a lot yeah. and this was this yeah. was a i guess another decision which reggie sort of framed in the way that you know i'm right yeah and he was because ultimately they he went to Nintendo Japan, talked to Iwata and the leadership team, being like, this needs to be one ninety nine in the US. It's not going to fare that well at two forty nine. And there was a little bit of back and forth. And um, ultimately, Reggie, oh, sorry, Iwata came back and said, Reggie, this needs to be a minimum of, um, was it 219 US dollars or something like that? 219 or 229 he put off as one. Yeah, yeah, and that wouldn't work just because it either needs to be 199 or 149. So they ultimately opted for 149. And if you were a Nintendo fan... 249. Yeah, yeah sorry, that would be a great price. Yeah, <laughs> 249, thanks for that. Just wait a few months and it came that down. Yeah. Down that far, nearly. But yeah, if you, if you were a big Nintendo fan, you remember that... the. Now the 3ds it came out for 350 here in here in Australia. It was a big jump from the DS at 200 bucks when it came out. Yeah, you can put that to inflation. You can put it to just Nintendo having a 3D screen. You can put it to. We always pay more here. Nintendo wanting yeah, don't we? and of course the Australia tax as well. Yes, um, but it, it didn't take long to get a price cut. I forgot. It, did it go down to? It went 179. I think it was. Yeah, 179 in the US. And it went down to two fifty here in Australia. I think it went went down yeah. to that. So it went down a hundred bucks here, and um, yeah, almost a hundred bucks in the states. So maybe roughly mm. the same. But yeah, yeah. It, it went down to even less than what a water and the team wanted in the first place. So if they just yeah, stuck, they- if they just listened to Reggie and stuck with two hundred bucks, would that have helped, or would it have still been too much and it needed to drop even lower? Yeah, I think that sub two hundred was a good price point, um, and yeah, pretty important from a marketing point of view. I, I get mm. that. Um, interesting here in Australia though, because we don't get that, and so you know, it's always what well, the Wii U launched at four twenty nine, so that's not yeah. like sub four hundred, sub four fifty, mm. and then uh, the Switch is four sixty nine. Yeah, and, I was thinking that too. We got some unusual prices here. Prices, mm. yeah, yeah, because so, so it's just the US price exchange to Australian dollars plus a bit more, just in case. <laughs> just in case you're like look oh, it might be a rainy day we could get a bit more cash from the Australians <laughs> right all the way down there got to send it down there all that extra cost oh, so just, yeah. god make us pay for it yeah. 
Damn. Yeah. So I thought this was interesting because unlike the Wii U, we actually do get a, a look at a, I guess, a critical error within the, the 3DS. Um, and mm. the 3DS went on to be a, a good little money generator for them. It didn't, it didn't even, didn't even reach the PSP. It went to was it 80 so million units sold, I believe. Yeah. Off, I off the, the top, 80s. Yeah. yeah. Top of my head. So I think it was still mm. a little, little bit less than the PSP and um, pretty much half of what the, uh, the DS achieved, but still pretty popular in its own right. And they did turn it around. Uh, just the lack mm. of lack of games that launched, um, the price, all of that. And they introduced the Ambassadors program, which if you had a 3DS before the price cut, you got access to an Ambassadors certificate, which you had on your home menu, and 10 NES games and 10 Game Boy Advance games, um, which was cool. Uh, myself as a, a kid, a consumer, um, I was I was really happy with this. I I didn't mm. I didn't care that I paid an extra hundred dollars for this goddamn device. I was you know I I ate it up. Three games. I ate it up. I'm like fantastic. Thank you very much. Which ones? Um, well, you you got given the same twenty games. Everyone I, it everyone was the got same. them. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Um, but what really baffled me about this decision? It was, it was a great decision. I'm glad we got some free stuff out of it. Um, even though really is is 10 NES and 10 Game Boy Advance games equal to 100 bucks? Nintendo might think so, but maybe not. <laughs> but there's a working Game Boy Advance emulator on the 3DS and we just assumed that Game Boy Advance games would be coming to DS or 3DS and they never did. That would make sense. They never it did. Would make a lot of sense. It baffling. <laughs> baffling. Especially Nintendo. And and then they put it on the Wii U and then yeah, I just Mm. So we got Game Boy, Game Boy Color on the, the 3DS. Mm-hmm. And then we got DS, GBA <laughs> on the Wii U mm-hmm. with all the other home, home consoles. So it was just, yeah, weird split, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm mean, like, DS would make perfect sense. Game Boy Advance would make perfect sense. Like, yeah. how many games would you, would you have bought on the DS or 3DS virtual console, Game Boy Advance games and DS games? Like, it'd be unreal. I would have mm. compared to my own Game Boy Color games like I've got the Pokemon games like Donkey Kong 64 the Mario games uh, uh, Zelda well, sorry <laughs> Link's Awakening Oracle of Ages and all of that mm. but just Game Boy Advance man I would have gone nuts with it I would yeah, have gone absolutely I, nuts I with it I would have been yeah although I think I think I'm glad it came onto the Wii U because I think playing it on the bigger screen on the gamepad mm. that's that's pretty fun so DS games were really cool on the Wii U, I'll give them that. Yeah, about playing With like the touch screens. Yeah, yeah, like playing Mario Kart DS, like one of my, one of my favorite Mario Kart games. Blown up on the TV, I'm like, this kind of looks pretty awful because a DS game is blown up to 55 <laughs> inches. Up, I'm like, but it's still really cool. I love it. Um, yeah, yeah, I would have loved it's to play a weird, the Pokemon games like that. Nintendo to do. Yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, why not? They they got to release something on the on the console. Um, that's it. <laughs> was there anything else on the on the 3ds side of things like that was the big one which reggie had to to fight for I'm um not... i don't think that's the main stuff it's yeah like like you look back at the 3ds now and it's it's yeah, it got a great range of games and i'm still collecting for it um mm. even though it's more expensive to do so now um mm. oh just just you know the e-shop's closing very soon as well so uh get onto those games if you can't find a uh, non-legal way to get them, get them on the uh, shop. So, um, yeah, I just look back at it 
really fondly now. Just some great range of games. The the virtual console's really good too. Um, oh, me me, me verse and Street Pass. Like really loved playing that back in the day. Having the oh, DS in fantastic. DS in my yeah. in my bag, going to uni, and coming home after my day and playing all the games and seeing who I've crossed paths with and. Oh, you would have had such oh, a good experience with yeah, that really because, yeah. yeah, for me out in whoop whoop, you wouldn't have had it. Yeah. yeah, not not so much. But going to like conventions and that, and yeah, it, it was it Great was convention. it was just it was a genius feature. It really was because mm. how many PlayStation uh, Vitas did you see out and about? None. How many three DS PlayStation threes or something? <laughs> People with massive bags. <laughs> yeah, someone's got their PlayStation three out. But yeah. just like. <laughs> For like the idea of like, all right, we need people. The best marketing is just to see people using it and yeah, get people bringing it out with them to do that was genius. And I know people were saying like at the launch of Switch being like, is there going to be like a Street Pass app where, you know, Switch is a bit big so hmm. and the battery life isn't that good. So is there going to be an app? Like, Nintendo doesn't care about you getting your phone out, <laughs> advertising Apple's iPhone or the latest oh, Samsung Galaxy. They want you to get your Switch out. And if the Switch mm. is too big and has a too poor a battery well it's just not going to be a thing but the me versus dead people get over it we're never uh, never getting that back again <laughs> why does metroid crawl god i miss uh me versus uh. <laughs> just like these kids oh. been like why 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 is it like this and then the 40 year olds can be like yes this is why metroid crawls or doesn't crawl or prefers to crawl or does ford flips when he when she jumps <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. It's um, I I I I I always I see the occasional funny tweet on Twitter about people posting in Meverse these weird, the weird and wacky kind of uh, comments. Um, so I I do miss the social aspect of the Meverse as as weird and and probably and zany as it was. Yeah, I, I yeah, want to know how many. I don't focus on that stuff. No, I want to know how many resources Nintendo had to put towards Meverse just for moderation. It would have been mm. nuts. Like yeah. just the uh, the penis detecting software would have been ha- <laughs> that would have had to been off the charts. <laughs> that was someone's job. That, that's how we could have started yeah. in Nintendo. We could have been the penis checkers. We could have stopped that <laughs> the penis and worked checkers. our way up. You know. Hey man, you can have that title if you want. You can be the penis checker at Nintendo Australia. All right, sound good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can imagine just like going for a list. You like, like you like decline, decline, decline. All these like crude, pretty poorly drawn penises. Then the one comes up who's been using the Art Academy app, where you could actually <laughs> use the colors. Like it's basically a game you could you could buy and post directly to Meverse, where you could yeah. use all the colors and all the software yeah. um, that that game utilized. Yeah, and someone's uh, dick just comes in, just shaded perfectly. Just see like yeah. see like the perfectly formed, just uh, folds along <laughs> and everything. You're like the veins. He's like, look oh. like a Snickers bar. <laughs> done. They're probably Come thinking, through. oh, it's a real shame to ban this, but it has to be done. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll get fired. <laughs> uh, the Wii U's legacy. So yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I absolutely I absolutely love the 3DS, man. I think it was fantastic and I'm glad that mm. they did turn it around. This was a system I was looking forward to so much and um, a big, one of the most prominent, well, you know, Nintendo's most prominent system during the fun direct era, which was which was awesome. A lot of uh, Reggie memes come from this. It's like, you know, I'm <laughs> Reggie, uh, this is me. I'm just uh, playing some Animal Crossing New Horizons on my Nintendo 3DS. It's something so basic, but it just sounds so stupid <laughs> at the same time. It's like, hi, I'm Reggie Fizzy from Nintendo of America. 
and I'm playing Animal Crossing New Horizons on my Nintendo 3DS. That's pretty good. You've done a good job there. That's uh, you've practiced that before, Drury. Yeah, I'm standing. Uh, I'm standing up. I'm pretending yeah. I'm like an A A3 presenter. Like, hello. It's making me think he's not really on the show every week. That you uh, do the voice yourself. Maybe there's some truth there somewhere. Maybe. Okay. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A, a fan favorite. The way you that. Um, uh, I think gets a bit more love now, even though it didn't get any when it was uh, the the thing, the main one. Mm. No, definitely. All right. So where does the book going from here? Can't quite remember, but it's so, still touching a lot. Obviously, the switch. It. Mm. And like his his time at Nintendo for Nintendo Switch was was limited. He retired in 2019, but um, you know Awada still had a lot of influence on what the the Switch was going to be. Mm. Uh, he, he had the idea for the Joy Cons. He wanted the the Wii U to take the evolution to become the gamepad only, and uh, utilize a lot of those features people enjoyed with the Wii U, which is playing it. Um, away from their console and not be limited by walls and just the the range itself. Um, so I thought I thought that was interesting, and he yeah, he didn't have a lot to say about the switch necessarily because his time was limited. But I think um, I think it was just happy that he had a <laughs> had a successful launch <laughs> after after probably you know four years of being pretty difficult. Like every press yeah. interview, every launch like really trying to figure out how the market and get this thing going yeah it would have been tough so i could have They're trying to sell it and he realizes air. he's on a winner and then just yeah time time to leave time to, mm. to leave on that high time to know that yeah the company's in a better spot now than yeah. when i when i started yeah and we, and we mentioned at the start like awada's passing was a big reason why what he mentioned why he decided to retire he had a lot of things he wanted to do Obviously, writing a book about his uh, life was a part of that, which was, I'm really glad that, that happened. And mm. I don't know, sometimes I think like when he first announced his retirement, I was like, no, Reggie. <laughs> or, mm. It would have been great to, to have him around a bit longer. But I think um, now without the shackles of Nintendo, um, he's able to like do things like this book, do speeches, um, all of that, even even do podcasting and stuff like that with his uh, his charity his charity work, mm. which is really awesome. So I think it's uh, he's not really gone, is he? He's just no, uh, you know, he's yeah, being more candidly about things, and mm. um, I think it's still a loss for Nintendo not to have him. Definitely, but, and yeah. like I, I, I still remember being yeah shattered when he announced his retirement. I thought, oh, just just seemed too soon, you know. Like you know, just when the switch is up and running again, you, you decide to leave. So. Um, it was good to sort of understand a bit more with the um, the context after with the award awarded passing that that was a bit of a catalyst for him to to reevaluate things. Yeah, leading to that. I don't mm. blame him. Obviously, yeah. at, at this point, surely money's not an object, and he's had some great successes at his time at Nintendo. And yeah. fifteen years. Yeah, well, like he's just it's, time. it's it's time to time to move on and enjoy life, which I don't blame him whatsoever. But yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about, um, I guess him handing the reins over to Doug Bowser and they didn't, didn't really mention like much about this, uh, this process. Doug Bowser comes from the same role, uh, Reggie originally had from, what's it called? The head of, not the head of marketing, but, um, essentially, uh, essentially that was his title. Sales, 
executive sales and marketing, something like yeah, that. Yeah, so it comes from yeah. the, the same background, the same way into the company. And I remember, um, I guess as Nintendo fans, like, oh, I hope this guy's this guy's a good like Reggie and whatever. And I think um, because of COVID and all of that, what happened with V3, we haven't really had the chance to like, get to know him. And he's obviously not uh, – he's coming to the company at such a different – environment to what reggie came in reggie came in he wanted to disrupt things things weren't working he wanted to change it shake things up get it going but doug bowser he's come in at a time where nintendo they're going well they've got a product that's kicking ass they've got uh, great games coming out um a lot of the sort of things that i guess needed ironing out as far as how nintendo of america worked and uh i guess worked with uh, Nintendo of Japan. A lot of that's been ironed mm. out at this point. Yeah. They've got the third-party support now. Mm. They've made it easier to develop it on a Nintendo system using Unreal Engine, everything like that. So um, they realize they can't do it on, all on their own. So they need that third-party support. And mm. yeah, you're right. Doug's been there a little. Um, I think, yeah, COVID's probably had a big reason for him not being as prominent as Reggie was. And you look at, yeah, like these E3s have come with a little disclaimer at the start all the time saying um, things mm. may get delayed and, you know, the, these these people are probably recording these things very last minute in front of a green screen, minimal sort of effort, just get the product out there that we want as part of the presentation and, and that, that's been it. So, um, yeah, it would be good to know him a bit more over the next couple of years as I, I feel this year's the... The, the normalizing year we're kind of getting back to that normal process and i'd love to see them showcase himself a bit more but um also nintendo having a bit more personality mm, yeah definitely yeah. and yeah like i said it was just a, a completely different sort of environment for him to enter in compared to reggie so yeah he, yeah. he will never like i'll probably say he'll never have that drive reggie had to really just step it up and make sure they don't lose out <laughs> to their competitors. Yeah. Um, and Reggie makes a good point that, you know, it's re- like just because Doug's taken his position just doesn't mean that he's going to do it the same way that Reggie did it. No. And so Doug's going to have his own path, his own journey um, with Definitely. Nintendo of America charging and leading them. And so um, oh, from what I've seen, he seems like a very funny, charismatic kind of guy, maybe a bit more reserved, but, um, oh, you know, having... It's been a bit of a protege under Reggie for a few years beforehand, I feel. So, mm. yeah. Um, yeah, well qualified to, to lead where they are now. And uh, it's been fine that these last three years, I, they, I can't see any massive fundamental things that they haven't done well and um, a few other sort of Nintendo being Nintendo things. But, um, you know, mm-hmm. the balance sheet, things he gets uh, accounted for are doing pretty well. Yeah, Nintendo is definitely still Nintendo. Uh, I, I guess just over the last week, there's been some sort of labor issues involving Nintendo of America. Yes. And, um, during sort of you know, Reggie's press tour, going around talking about the book, um, IGN and a couple of outlets have asked him, like, what do you think about the news that's come out? And even some of the, the issues stretch back to when Reggie was um, still working at Nintendo, even back to think like 2011 or even 2015. So obviously Reggie was there at the time, but... Um, not to talk on it too much on this guess, book club episode, but hopefully, hopefully that does get resolved. Um, it's mm. it's it's not something that's not fixable. It's definitely something people just need to get together and talk and work things out to make 
the environment and all that better. Because at the end of the day, we will, we will find out if Nintendo are providing a, a bad working environment because it will reflect in their products. So um, even if you don't care about people, um, <laughs> I guess you might care about the games or what you're spending your money on. Yeah. It's, you know, he, <laughs> he says it's not the Nintendo he knew um, hearing mm. all this stuff. And he's on a book tour at the moment. So he's got to promote the book and he's promoting himself at the same time. And so, yeah, it's, um, it's a little bit unfortunate it, for him, really. Like, yeah. you can imagine if uh, you were getting around promoting your, your uh, podcast, Nintendvania, and then someone brings up, hey, look, there's a lot of stuff going on in the podcast industry. How do you feel being a podcaster? I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> just, yeah, like, it's no good. Like it's it, it sucks. Don't, but, don't want to buy this for what? <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, fucking twenty bucks. <laughs> Amazon, <laughs> Kindle. <laughs> Please, for the love of God, I gotta yeah, gotta feed my my, my kids. That's buy my right, book. That's right. But, yeah. So there's been a few other like because he's been doing the tour, and so these other outlets have asked him these things, and we're finding out some other stuff outside of the book. Like you know, he hated Donkey Konga. You know, with a passion, think thought it was a bad thing for the series. And then, then I, I always forget this, but there was three Donkey Kongas. Like there was a third one on the GameCube that never came to the West. And so, yeah, it's um, like th- thinking back to it, like buying a, a Wii Fit board. Fair enough. That I think that game sort of made sense. But buying a mm. whole peripheral that gets stuck in your cupboard for Donkey Konga. Don't yeah. know about that, guys. That's a bit. That's that was too much of a stretch. Yeah, I never we'll bought, see I them never in the wild it. every now and then. Yeah, yeah. I remember the um the Mario Dunt. A dance mat as well. I remember seeing yeah. that in Target. Like I didn't have a GameCube at the time. I just remember looking at it, mm. being like, "Cool!" Like I'd love to play that now. To be honest, <laughs> yeah. Because um, and our Namco made that. I think. Yeah, um, like Dance Dance Revolution. Playing the GameCube's life as well. Um, I was at a one of the big arcades in the Gold Coast, and I was playing Dance Dance Revolution. And God, it's fun. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be as good in your lounge room with like a crappy little mat. But on like the mm. proper arcade um, setup, yeah. it's it's amazing. I, I was playing it for hours, and I was just getting sweaty. So I'll be all, all about about a Mario one. Yeah. Oh, but I mean, like, that's what I love about the Switch at the moment is like they can do these weird games, like mm. if they really wanted to. Um, there's so much love and um, so many people owning a Switch that they can do these weird things again if they wanted to. Mm. Yeah, so, definitely. Uh, I'd, I'd I'd pick it up. It'd be fun. <laughs> um, yeah. I guess let's let's touch on I guess his uh his post Nintendo sort of uh. Sort of a, a bit of the book. Um, one that comes to mind for me is a GameStop when he joined the board there, and then the uh, craziest time ever to join the board. That was, uh, you know, with the um, mm, yeah people the stock. Yeah, people yeah. yeah pushing pushing up the stock and making it more valuable than it than it has any right to be. But um, when it when it when he uh, when the news came out that he joined it, I was like, oh, that's. I mean, yeah, he's obviously retired but he's still he's still passionate about just growing things and seeing where it goes but ultimately he he looked at it and he he left because games GameStop they weren't interested in sort of doing anything too interesting just pushing the the same old envelope they've pushed all the time yeah yeah um yeah so he seemed pretty frustrated by that because he's you know every place he'd been to was all about uh, it was fast paced it's disrupting he was you know trying different things and learning from it and then you go to GameStop and you know brick and mortar store um selling video game games and accessories and and other merchandise and you know bricks and mortar stores are struggling at the moment you can buy these things online at a cheaper price um, people like the convenience of it all and um just didn't seem to be any sort of uh, real 
passion or um, want to sort of change things and, and uh, future-proof the company. So he seemed pretty frustrated by that. And I can imagine that would be the case. Um, the, yeah. the other skeptic in me is thinking, you know, that I don't know if he got any stock when he became a director of the board or I don't know even if he's accountable for performance, how that works. And, you know, his uh, stock portfolio is massively increased during the GameStop <laughs> meme stock fiasco and then the whole like most of the board leave don't they is that i think that I, I heard that correctly so yeah well whether he, whether he leaves at the good time to cash in as well i don't know so yeah like the the sure. people that um joined up at the same time left at, yeah, with, yeah. with reggie as well so just just goes to show that you know i think gamestop especially like here i feel pretty good about eb games even though they're the same thing sort of especially here rely on them for especially more niche games but with like downloading and just other retailers, you can see why they'll be struggling, especially with that many options over in the US and Canada and all of that over there. Um, they yeah. just they need to shake things up. But at the same time, how they are trying, they're at the selling just random crap and merchandise. And yeah. what else can you do if uh, your business is about selling games and everything's moving away from that? Mm, there's a lot of, um, you know, like, they don't, I don't think they make a lot of money on the games. I think the pre, um, pre-owned stuff they make a bit of money on, but um, it's it's like you know in Australia we've got the Zing kind of uh, thing with these EB Games slash GameStop, depending where you're from. But in Australia here it's EB Games, and um, so they make a bit more of their markup with T-shirts and other knickknacks and and things like that. So, um, yeah, a bit of a challenging time for them. They did a bit of a clean up of stores just before COVID as well. There was about. Uh, a whole bunch of stores across the country that closed in Australia that, yeah. Feb 2020 and then next month COVID happened so they, they, they timed it amazingly yeah they did that was, oh man they because they would have just lost so much money with that to begin with but just closed them down at that time they so did so I remember I, was, yeah. I, I do remember that news because I was a little bit worried about our mm. store potentially shutting down because for uh, those that don't know I live in a small town that doesn't have any video game place remotely near me so 50k is over go there eb games big w that's it um if it's not there it's um it's online which which for me is getting more and more in common <laughs> all the time yeah um pretty much everything in front of me from my microphones and uh monitor and everything is is online now but i'm gonna say it's a big effort for you to go and get games yeah i mean that that yeah. is why I'm, I'm i'm digital on switch like if I want to play it, it's easy yeah. to download, get it there day and day. So, so, yeah. So that uh, pretty much brings us to the end of the book. But at the end, we get a special sort of interview with Jeff Keeley and Reggie just having a nice casual conversation. I really appreciated this, having this included. I think it was a nice touch. Just like at the end, you have you have Reggie talking to you through the audio book the whole time, which was fantastic. But having it concluded mm. just with a podcast-like conversation was really great. Yeah. And uh, that's where we get like a few more answers on like Mother 3, um, how we potentially could have got it if uh, Awada was still around. They were sort of yeah. tooling with the idea of, um, you know, mm. they got Earthbound Beginnings, which they released on the virtual console on the Wii U, which was the original NES game, which got its first translation to come out in the West. Um, but yeah, that was a big thing for Reggie sort of talking about his his time of all the media journalists always hassling him where's mother three and i think at mm. f- i think honestly at first it was like honestly where is this game it's the only japanese game Boy advance game that hasn't come out or gotten a release date for the west so where yep. is it 
Um, but years later, it's just a meme. Just ask him. Just keep annoying annoying him, um, which, yeah, I thought, it, which I think is funny. It is funny. He um, And he, he's a good sport with it, which, which I think people love even more about it. But um, this gives me a bit of hope because... Um, because he talks about, you know, just it's bad timing. And so, what, Mother 3 on the GBA in Japan, 2006, very late in the uh, mm-hmm. GBA's life. And, uh, you know, if Reggie doesn't like the micro coming out just after the, the DS comes out, then I don't think Mother 3 is never going to get the light of day for a Western audience that late on the GBA. And so, mm-hmm. um, it's, so, so that's a shame the first time it comes out. And then the second time with beginnings being localized, um, that's awesome. That's great. I'm playing that at the moment, and that's such a grind. But it's I'm mm. I'm having some good fun as a mother fan, just getting playing this for the first time. But yeah, so so the Wii U doesn't sell well, and so there was you know a bit of appetite before, and the, I think he says these sort of um, localizations sell fairly. Um, so it, they had there was a bit of appetite to still do it. Um, but the second shame is that it was on the Wii U, and so it doesn't sell. I don't think it sold enough or you know probably wasn't worth the effort but um wasn't in this bonus interview but also as part of his book tour and i think with ign they asked him again about this and whether it was the sort of themes and um you know there's a a certain group of people that are sort of might not be appropriate the way they portrayed, portrayed these group of characters and how they would do it these days and he didn't the way I read it is that didn't wasn't the issue. It was um, just the timings of these products coming out. That was the reason why, and it was never a priority why Mother Three never got localized. So it gives me a bit more hope now that we might get it on the Switch. Maybe we've just had oh. one and two come out. So I I still doubt it, but I feel a bit more hopeful. And so I hate myself for it, and I'm probably going to suffer more for it. But it seems like you know. So we're going to do it. The switch now is the time just after Earthbound and Beginnings coming to the uh, NSO earlier this year. I think uh, the part of me that's hopeful is like it'll it'll be a great way to be like, all right, over the last few years, Nintendo's been disconnected with fans. They still had Nintendo Directs, but it's been a bit of a hit and miss. They've been doing like Mario 3D All-Stars Collection, not paying that much respect to the most important IP and basic. Uh, having it as like yeah. a, a timed release, which has not been that good and pulling away a lot of personalities. And you, you can see why, because it only takes one sort of slip from an employee even Nintendo has put under the bus, kind of like what happened with that, that, you know, like with Subway, for example, maybe not to that extreme, <laughs> but you know, something like that. Um, so it is very much just about the product. But I think um, what I would love to see from Nintendo this year is just put some more people out, even if it's only E3, the other directs are just buy just just the product, but E three get people out, people from the treehouse, get Doug Bowser out there, maybe doing mm. some discussions with the big boys, IGN, etc. Put the personalities out there. Say, hey, look, we got a brand new Mario game coming out. Whoop de doo, that's awesome, cool. But we are listening to the fans, Mother Three. <laughs> we know you've been list- we, you, we know you've been asking for this. And Reggie Fizemay, he sucks. He's a bastard. He never gave it to you. I am Doug Bowser. I am your Lord and Savior now. Here is Mother 3. How good would that be? Um, like, just really How play into it. Be? 
it'll be fun if you played in to be like, hey, look, Reggie, he he never gave you it to you. Can what Reggie don't, you know? Just, yeah, uh, yeah. Doug yeah. does what Reggie don't. Like just, yeah. just really, just have some fun with it. For love of God, I, yeah. and I want that from, I want that from everyone, <laughs> Nintendo especially, but I want PlayStation to do it as well. They're so boring now. It's so boring <laughs> to um pay attention to these um these uh directs, and I know that like. You just look at Xbox, Xbox, God, my God. Do you remember Xbox 360, E3 presentations, even, I don't know, seven years oh, ago? I remember the Kinect ones. Oh, like before Phil Spencer? But Phil Spencer, they're doing what Nintendo don't now. It's like, you know, mm. you look at Phil Spencer, he's the head of Xbox. You got like the leads on every single team under Microsoft. You got um, like the, the idea at Xbox team. You got... The, the backwards compatibility team, like in the, they've mm. all got like their spokesperson and uh, even like, yeah, it's just, it's just, it makes it a lot more fun. And I know, yeah. I know at the end of the day, it's just, they're just selling us products. And I, I say that all the time. I, I'm, I know I'm like a broken record when I say that. I just keep that in mind. They're not, they're not, not our friends, but it, it makes it a lot more fun yeah. to pay attention to. It's, it's E3, electronic. Expo, but also entertainment, and so uh, I think you're pretty big on the entertainment there, Drew. They Give us to, uh, entertain me, boys. Up. Come on, entertain me. <laughs> we're, we're we're up at two a.m. in the morning. You know, That's right. we want to make sure it's worth our time. Yeah, and uh, it it does sort of, you know, it, it influences me a little bit to go and buy your box, even though I've got all the boxes now, so you don't have to influence me too much. But it is what it is. <laughs> what are we talking about? Oh, sorry. Yeah, gaming consoles. Yeah, I've, I've got all the boxes. Yeah. Uh, okay. uh, yep. You're I'm thinking about another box, eh? You sick bastard. That's right. And Panda Express. I need a bit of an orange chicken, I reckon, by now. Mm. Yeah, some orange chicken would be good. Be tasty. I wonder if they still got it. Yeah, I don't know. Didn't, Is Panda Express uh, in Australia? Not that I know of. I don't think there's one in Adelaide. Mm. Oh, not much is in Adelaide <laughs> or South Australia. <laughs> You can talk in your small town, mate. Yeah. No, there's nothing here. Down there used the to be a Red Rooster, but it, it went about 10 years ago. So that was yeah. the most exciting yeah. excitement we got. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I remember when that came because there was one in the other town that I was closer to and uh, that was very exciting because that was the first time fast food came to the area. Mm. And, and now there's Maccas and, and other things in the other town. But um, Yeah, Maccas, Hungry Jacks. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, all, it's all going. So I guess um, that brings us towards the end. Um, anything else we'd like to point yeah. out about the book or any of the stories? Um, I really like the bonus interview and then um, I sort of realized how close Jeff and Reggie were. And so they're, mm. they're talking about all the, the, the cool things they were doing with the um, of course, yes. the demos. Yeah, all, all of the interviews they had yeah, at E3. Yeah, and... I love how competitive Reggie was and he would um, practice. Like he lost to Jeff one time at Wii Sports, I think. And every single... Um, media event after that, Reggie would practice the games and and know how to how to nerf it, and so he never lost another one since. Mm. And, and so it just, it just talks about how who Reggie is as a person. He he he's a winner. He's a goes out and um, conquers and and wants to be the best. And so, uh, um, yeah. So I think Jeff was sort of complaining that you know he could never win after that point in time. So, um, it was great. They they, they you could tell they were very close and they. They spent a lot of time with each other over the past 15 years or so, or more now, 17, mm. yeah. 17 18. Now, definitely. So I think just from, I, I, I honestly didn't expect this episode to go this long, 
but I think it just goes to show just how much like awesome stories there are in this book. Definitely go give it a read, mm-hmm. give it a listen, go and support it. It's uh, as a Nintendo fan, as a video game fanatic, as someone who's interested in the industry, this is a this is a must get, guys. This is um, an mm. insight into a side of the the industry that we don't often get. Um, so. Absolutely fantastic. And the audio book, I, I listen to it because it is a good way to, you know, get through the book while you've got a screaming child, <laughs> while you're going on walks and stuff. Um, so it was good. But it was also just nice to, um, you know, hear Reggie's voice, hear it from his mouth, yeah. which, you know, there's there's some um, authors where I'm like, I'll just read your book, thanks. Your, your, voice is a, your voice isn't great. I'll stay away from it. But Reggie doesn't fit into that category. Got a nice, uh, nice voice there. <laughs> it was great. It was very soothing. He uh, it spoke at a good pace. Um, and yeah, you definitely uh, would recommend anyone, not just Nintendo fans, but uh, um, those uh, wanting to get more motivated uh, with a work life or just uh, um, just just in general. Just some he had some really funny examples and real life stories to to go through. So um, definitely pick it up. I'll probably be picking up the uh, book as well. Um, pick up the audio book to to get through it quickly but i reckon uh, like my uh, ask water i'll be getting uh, the reggie one as well so mm. i've got to um i've got to uh, uh sorry order the ask water book mm. um because i don't know i oh this is what happened i pre-ordered it on amazon and i didn't realize amazon didn't take your money straight away they actually just wait until uh-huh. it's it's in then they take your money then ship uh, it okay and yeah, i just yeah. i wasn't aware and I didn't have money in the account and et cetera. So I never actually got it, yeah. but I was so keen to read it. So um, after reading this, so I'm definitely keen to just read more. Well, I've, I've been wanting to read more books anyway, but I'm definitely going to be reading more of these video game based books. Next one's going to be Ask Iwata. Um I've had this, I've had this book in my back backlog for ages. Um, the, co- the console wars, which is the story between Sega say, and, and Nintendo. Fine, yeah. So definitely yeah. keen to check that one out, but that's next on my list. Yeah. yeah. Well, I tell you what. If you want, we can do we can do some more video game book book clubs. That'll be fun. I reckon. How do you how do you feel about that? I'm down for that. Yeah, 100. So what? Watch what, out, Oprah. Here we come. Watch out, Oprah. Yeah, look out. And there's nothing for you because I'm not rich like Oprah. And there's and nothing you for you get, uh, because uh, and you don't get Mother Three. <laughs> and you don't get Mother Three. And you don't get Mother Three. <laughs> um, but I do because I've got the fan translation on my 3ds. Oh, so it cool. is what it is. Um, there yeah. are ways. So should we do Ask Awada next? Love to talk about Ask Awada. Ask Awada is great. All right, let's yeah. do that one. I'll love to do that when I when I get the through. Short it. one as well, so it's not not too thick. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Short stories. I um because it was at EB Games actually, but I was in Darwin at the mm. time. I'm like, oh, I don't want to get wrecked in my luggage and stuff, so I didn't pick it up there. And it's never yep. at it's it's never at a book. Like it's not 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 at my library and that either, so a bit disappointing. Mm. But it's what it That's is. Where I picked it up, EB. So mm. yeah, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. we'll down the future, we will do another encore about Ask Awada. So definitely That's looking it. forward to that one. And uh, Josh, this brings us to the end of the show. Nintendovania, tell us all about your podcast, the other South Australian Nintendo podcast, where everyone can go and check you out, support you, and all of that fun stuff. Yeah, well, well, thank you, Drew, for having me on, on the uh, House of Mario Encore. Um, yeah, so I'm pretty new to all this. Uh, Nintendovania is my podcast. Um, like Drew's, it's all things Nintendo. Uh, I'm just 
having a lot of fun talking about the new releases. I'm buying these games anyway. Um, I talk to my friends about this anyway, and so I thought I'm going to make a podcast about it and meet some new people. So I've had a fun time getting to know a few people in, in SA, especially South Australia and Adelaide. And um, please check me out if you want to hear more. Um, yeah, e- episode every fortnight. So Nintendvania in the corner there um, on all good social media and podcast platforms. Definitely not the bad ones. So, guys, I'll definitely recommend going and check everything out. Nintendvania. You can find him at Nintendvania on Twitter and all the all the wonderful podcast services. But I reckon Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That's your that's your best bet. And Hopefully. I'm I'm really really hoping you guys do go and support him. That there's another South Australian Nintendo podcaster. It really excited me when I when you first reached out to us and. Um, I just want to support you in everything you do, man. I hope uh, it all goes well for you. Thank so, you. It's a lot of fun doing this. Yeah. So anyone else who can get the same sort of satisfaction and enjoyment out of it, I, I, I want that so much for everyone. And listen, the world needs more South Australian Nintendo podcasts in their veins anyway. Do you need another, do you need another American Nintendo podcast? don't know. No, That's up in the air. But do you need another Australian yeah. one? That's hmm. right. You need South Australian ones that people think sound American, but it's actually Australian because we our accents are slightly different. So more of that. Let's confuse more people. Do you reckon we sound American? I don't know. I don't think so. When American or English, I get yeah. When I've travelled, people get mm-hmm. a bit confused by how I speak. When I when I listen, because I I obviously listen to a lot of American podcasts. Mm. But when I listen back to our podcast, I'm like, yeah. oh, oh, we're we're Australian, different. bloody hell. Oh yeah. That's right. <laughs> yes. So go yes, and check out Nintendo. Uh, thank you. Yeah. And, and Drew, you've been a massive inspiration for me. So uh, thank you again for having me on. Great pleasure. No, no worries at all. This won't be the last time. And I was on Nintendovania a couple of episodes ago, about a month ago. Yeah. Was it that long ago? Time is distorted um, for me. I can't remember yeah. having a baby. But. Yeah, three weeks ago now. Um, just had episode 12 published today. So you were mm-hmm. 11 um, about two, two weeks ago. So. Hmm. And you got, you got Alex yeah. Harding on today. Oh, yes. This episode, yes. Very cool. Good to be. So, um, yeah. I mean, I'm meeting everyone in, in South Australia, Nintendo-wise. He's um, more, than, more than you would expect. So, it's uh, it's been fun. So, I'm going to meet everyone one day. We'll, we'll be at an Avcon or we'll be at hmm. a PAX or something. And it'll yeah. be good to sort of... You, you'll know, like, way more people than I would because I'm just sitting <laughs> in this room with Bryce and you're there, Ben, the social butterfly. And I'm just talking to my my oaf of a mate, who I love very much. And uh, you got a Bryce though, so I wouldn't give that up. So no, I wouldn't give up a Bryce for the world, man. He's yeah. a he's a very special man. I love him very much. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Um, that brings us to the end of this encore at the house of Mario. Thank you very much for listening. But unfortunately, the time has come. The doors they're closed. We'll catch you later. Bye. Encore at the House of Mario, the after-party Nintendo podcast, is lovingly crafted and recorded in the southeast of South Australia. The show is produced and hosted by me, Drew Agnew. If you enjoy my work here and on my other podcasts, The House of Mario, A Drew Story, and Kraken Furfies, help spread the word by sharing us with a mate or leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you would like to show further support and help me achieve my goal of freeing up one working day a week to help spend more time refining and creating podcasts, 
please consider checking out patreon.com slash idruby, where for only $1, you get access to my secret recordings where I share everything behind the scenes. A big thank you to the legend DJ for supporting the content at the podcast producer level on Patreon. From the bottom of my heart, thank you.